go ahead and kick it off. Phil is running a minute or two behind. Um, but I've returned. This is episode 87 of Snakes and Stogies, brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons. Um, so last week, it was Phil and Brian. Uh, Brots and I actually drove up to Black Box uh, to pick up some racks and... Uh, check out the new warehouse and stuff so that's the reason i was not here last week um for whatever reason me and brats thought it was a shorter drive than it actually was we didn't end up getting home until nine i think like right or nine thirty actually so getting everything unloaded we had to stop at brats's parents house which is like cross county here and uh basically it just uh didn't um didn't happen so but i'm here this week all my black box stuff is set up and looking good phil will be here anytime um but other than that i mean rearranged the the room got the ganyasoma set up in a in a nice enclosure with cypress mulch and um four or five different hide options got some uv in there now gonna see if that has any sort of bearing on getting those guys to to produce something for me um getting heavy into some corns been getting a good bit of a handful of corns lately got daytona on thursday i'm super excited about that i know this guy is too because daytona is only mere days away only mere days away. What's up, buddy? Four days and counting, ladies and gentlemen. Couldn't get here fast enough. I know, right? Forgive me for being fashionably late as always. It's not fashionable when it's a habit. <laughs> I had to see a man about a horse. I'm kidding. So, what did I miss? Did we talk uh, about our fine sponsors yet? I did mention them. Excellent. Glad to hear. I was talking about, you know, what happened last week, what's been going on as far as, like yesterday was my only day off and Bratz came over and we rearranged the room entirely again. I saw your little uh, uh, Instagram reel. It was looking good. I'm hoping... You know, talking to Matt Most and and stuff about the Ganyasoma, the Jance and I, he he thinks UV you know does play a factor in getting those guys to go, but we'll see. I don't know. I I put my my little wise camera on them so I could check in on them throughout the day, see if they were basking or like actively using it, and I didn't I didn't notice anything. They could have earlier in the morning when I wasn't looking at anything, but who knows? So okay, cool. We'll see. Time will tell. I'm in. I'm in no hurry. Nice. I'm just trying to it's guide a, them in the right direction. As Bob Rock would say, it's about the journey. And I'll, I'll leave you with that one, so you can uh, uh, segue into the next chapter. Correct. What are we smoking tonight? So I have this Placencia Alma Fuerte. No, Alma Del Campo. That cracked, so okay. I'll go ahead and put it out of its misery. Good. 
Um, Almond Del Campo is probably my favorite out of the Placencia stuff that I've had so far. Um, just nice medium strength, nothing too crazy, but still kind of a little complex, little little nuanced. It's kind of nice, it's pleasant. Excellent. What are Excellent. you smoking? Uh, I'm, I always butcher the name. Is it Aquitaine or is it Aquitaine like the cartoon? Aquitaine. Aquitaine. It's actually so. a place in France, I oh. guess, where they found one of the first like human, early human fossils. Interesting. Oh, it I goes believe. in line with their yeah their, the whole you know, paleontological pre, yeah yeah pre pre hominid you know mm-hmm. cool beans. I'll be lighting that up in a minute. Um, I actually this past weekend was Marcus's wedding. I and, saw. Uh, it was phenomenal, a wonderful time, and uh, so happy to be a part of that beautiful wedding. And he had uh, Cuban style cigar rollers at the wedding, and uh, essentially, I I don't know if they were. I don't want to say they were faking it, because there is a lot of people in Miami that that don't speak English. They only speak Spanish. I, I get that, um, but at the same time, I feel like. If you did these events enough to get booked for them in, right. the, in the in the fashion that it was booked, they would know a good amount of English enough to maybe talk about cigars. And there was a dark there was a bunch of dark sticks and a bunch of light sticks. And I said, What are these? And she said, e, e Cuban tobacco. And I said, Okay. I said, Is this like Habano? Is it you know Madero? And she kind of looked at me like I had four heads. And then I realized that the guy who actually knew what he was talking about, um, he was either deaf or really, really didn't speak any lick of English and could not understand what I was attempting to say in Spanish. Right. Um, so I basically got a little bit of each and tried them and they were delicious. But I, it was just interesting how it almost felt like they really didn't even know. No. They were just like, yeah, it's tobacco, you know? So, but it was fun, man. It was a beautiful wedding. Looked very pleasant. Looks like Marcus pulled out all the stops. That he did, man. That he did. That he did. I'm eager to see the photos because, you know, all the groomsmen are in one room and then all the bridesmaids are in another and they don't see each other, whatever. That is the beauty of not being the groom is I got to float between the two and I did go into the, the the bridesmaid room and see everyone in hair and makeup and you know moms with rollers in their hairs totally embarrassed that this fat bearded guy was sneaking in there hilarious but all the groomsmen had to we went out on the golf course to take you know groomsmen photos on the yeah. golf course very very scenic very beautiful in, in Miami and the minute we came inside the photographers like a team of guys they're like all right we're gonna go upstairs we're gonna take care of the girls and we'll, we'll get some you know before and after makeup and all that kind of stuff and get prepping the dress and all that and he's like we're gonna go to the same spot so you know close the blinds to the hotel room so you can't see them you know mm-hmm. and the minute they left the room one of the feeder bands from the tropical storm fred hit and it just uh. it just monsoon so I have no idea where they took their photos. It was definitely not outside, let alone on the golf course. So I'm, I'm eager to see how that goes. But it was a beautiful wedding, and I can't thank Marcus and Amanda enough for you know letting me be part of it. So I mean, if you're going to be a wedding photographer, you pretty much have to be a flexible and adaptable to change on the fly. Oh, 100%. There's no, I have a very hard time believing that almost all the weddings that 
photographers do on a regular basis go according to plan every time like it's probably actually the opposite where it's almost always something's missing you forgot a battery you forgot this you know yeah and and to be honest it was it was the the main guy his business partner who i guess was like the videographer type guy and then two assistants and there was one one of the one of the two assistants you could tell one was like the i don't want to say do boy be insulting but you know, his job was to procure. No, they everything. usually, yeah, they usually right. have some person that's like a runner that does all right. that. And then yeah. the other guy had a clipboard and was like making sure that every shot and every angle and everything that they mapped out for the day was addressed and kind of like, a, a, I guess, like team leader. You know what I mean? And it was very cool watching them work. So it was definitely not their first rodeo. Yeah, I'm sure if you have a team of people, eventually it becomes like a like a routine or a dance. Oh, sure. Of course. Oh, I should get some coffee. That sounds good. It's delicious with my wiener dog cup. Oh, check out the. I saw fancy yeah. schmancy. You bringing some of those Daytona or no? No, I just got this one made just to see how Teespring did with them. Okay. But now Katie and Ellie want one, so. Good. 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 I don't know. Like me and Brods are, are wanting to, you know, delve into the feeder thing a little bit. Um, how serious we'll get with it, I don't know. I think we're like right now. We just we need to sort of expand and do more than what we have. And I think between Chris and some of the other guys that that expressed interest. You know, eventually down the road, if we can figure out shipping with dry ice and all that stuff, then maybe we'll be able to start shipping and just do like small batch where we have like a limited number of customers. Uh, you know, I don't know. Kind of just seeing where it goes. Yeah, man. I know I'd get stuff from you. Sort of the, our, our spiel being, you know, really focusing on what goes into the rodents. You know, I want to start getting, uh, I need to start getting like a hand you know, vegetables and stuff and fruits and sort of throwing it to them and letting them eat on those on top of like the nuts and the seeds and the haze and the, you know, the rodent diet that I use, which is the FRM stuff. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's just, they need to be eating more than just rodent block, but yeah, I don't well like that's it's the ro- the the rodent pellet is perfect for when they run out of the other stuff. Yeah, and that it's, it's there a, for them. A bona fide filler. Um, because they they burn through that that nut and seed blend bird seed that we use, uh, and it's funny to see what they don't like because they'll leave like whole hazelnuts and stuff completely untouched. So. That's good, man. And yeah. I also like it's good to do the block too, in a, a sense of like, let's say you and Katie go out of town for a week, you know, mm-hmm. with Ellie, and the three of you guys are going to be gone, you know, Monday to Sunday kind of thing. Cannon, he nice. shot at a tree. I don't want it. <laughs> nice, nice. That's good. Thanks, Casey. Um, it's good that like let's say halfway through the week, if you know, Brats had to run by and just dump some block, right? You know. It's good. I mean, I don't go there daily and check on them. So typically, like, we'll clean. Me and Brats now clean on Sundays. Sunday mornings, that's what we do. We run to the gas station, get our bangs or monsters. 
and head on out to the farm. And so then we like, it's so much faster with two people though. Oh my God. Like it used to take me, if I wasn't really moving, I could get it all done in an hour. Right. But now like he's here and it's literally like 30 minutes. If that, cause he'll start on one thing. I'll start on the other and we'll just bam, 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 knock it out. So nice. <clears throat> that's been really nice, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Cause I mean, we need to, we definitely need to expand like, what I have currently will do fine for, you know, me and Jake, but anything beyond that, probably not so much. So planning to, to dump some money into that at some point here soon. Um, and then, I mean, I vacuum seal everything like it gets frozen. Uh, they get frozen first before they get bagged. That's the big thing is like I freeze them and then they, then they get vacuum sealed. I make sure I get all the, any of the shavings or the, you know, the crap or anything on them. Cause I, I hate it when I thaw out some ice and I've got a bunch of just debris and crap floating around in there. That drives me nuts. So I make a pretty concerted effort to make sure none of that's happening when I'm, when I'm doing this. So, um, nice. yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't, like I said, shipping with, with dry ice seems to be like, like there's a handful of hoops to kind of jump through, but it seems like uh, UPS is probably the place to go when it comes to that. Cause they seem a little more lax than FedEx does. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll see. So yeah, just kind of, kind of, just like with the podcast, sort of just seeing what happens and where it goes. I think we'll probably start selling local, or you know, regional. I guess if people are willing to meet us up and buy enough, then kind of go from there. So we'll see. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to change up the way I'm making my income, so I can cut back my hours a little bit at work and be around a little more, and you know. So, yeah, you figure if you and Bratz bang out all the rodents, let's say you have double what you have now, right? And it still takes you two hours soup to nuts with, let's say, euthanizing and freezing and vacuum sealing, whatever. You still have the whole rest of the day. And in theory, you're still making your money. You know, right. so that little supplemental income, right? I just ashed. Damn it. Ugh. It happens to the best of us. God, I hate that. Damn you, Placencia. So that's kind of what's happening in the world. I, I mentioned that we went to Black Box on Monday and grabbed our racks. They are phenomenal. Um, I actually, they, so the, the rack sat in my garage for the week until yesterday when Bratz helped me get everything together and we drew, you know, melted holes into all the V70 tubs and got the room rearranged, got two of the big cages out. Um, so it's just, I'm tired of rearranging, but it's pretty much done for the most part now. And I got the, the XT4 from Black Box switched over from uh, the Tannen Bar to now the Jance and I with the UV and everything like that too. So cool. It was a busy, busy day. Literally, like, I think we got done at like five with everything so nice it's a good day man it's a good day when you get fully productive you know especially my, when you're like doing it with your friend you know yeah i mean i felt bad because it was my only day off and i didn't get to see katie much um but you know it is what it is they can't all be zingers so not every day off can be exactly what you want it to be yeah yeah i get that 100 percent Daytona is happening, man. I'm so freaking stoked to get down there. 
Yeah, man. We still have some logistical stuff we need to figure out, I guess, when we're done as far as scheduling and when we should be aiming to arrive down there. Well, uh, I have to, uh, as far as things go, for me, Anna Maria and I are going to be driving up Thursday, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm attempting to make a delivery of some snakes to a friend on the way. So that realistically should put me in Daytona in the mid to late afternoon. So I'm going to talk to Billy and find out if he's still at the hall. If he's still at the hall, I'm going to go right to the hall and then we'll just set up. I'll just set up the, the magazine booth. I mean, if, if you and Jake aren't even there, that it's no big deal. I mean, it's like two things, you know? Well, check-in isn't until like three or four, right? Yeah, but that's, 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 I never listened to that. I mean, Matt so and Jamie I'm just saying I, we don't have to get up at the crack of dawn to, to rush. No, like it's no. going to be kind of we can leave 10 a.m. whatever, be there by correct. Yeah, three or four and be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where I'm going is probably about uh, 45 minutes to an hour away. So I figure if we leave at say 9 a.m., 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 1, I should be there around 3, 3:30, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll, like I said, if Billy's at the hall setting up still, <clears throat> excuse me, then I'll just join him. And if you guys are there, great. If you're not, no worries. And I'll throw up the uh, the banner and all that stuff with him. And then Thursday night, we're doing whatever. And then Friday, I mean, it would just be finishing touches setting up. But realistically, Friday's kind of a free day. You know? mm-hmm. so. Yeah, man. Um... What was I going to say? Damn. Yeah, uh, like bring in. So I'll have I have Billy's Colignathus. So like that is like the one thing that does get kind of frustrating with Daytona is if you have snakes with you, then you have to like hunt down the person, yeah. get their room key, go to the hotel, find their room, drop it off, go back down, find them again, give them the key back. Like, <laughs> but I guess that, like, you could also just keep it at the table. I guess. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. You know. Depends on what it is. Yeah, I know the hotel's gotten. The hotel does not say, "Yes, you may bring animals into the hotel." It's implied. But it's in- if they see you wheeling in a cart full of deli cups, they're not going to freak out. Right. Right. It's it's funny. So open carry just got got passed in South Carolina recently. Right. And our WalMarts immediately now have a door a, a sign on the door that says, "Please kindly refrain from open open carry." <laughs> weapon so it's like we'd prefer you didn't but because we can't tell you not to yeah can you please can you just not yeah uh there's always that guy i don't you know it's legal in georgia and i never see it i've never never seen anybody open carry in georgia in savannah or anything like that you know what it is too is that there's there's always people that in live in a state that does allow open carry there are people doing it they're just subtle about it and don't draw attention to themselves and therefore, most people don't even notice it, you know, with the exception of our waitress in West Texas. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Brandon Valentine wants to know, what are you guys on the lookout for while down there? Well, for me, it's up there, but thank you for asking. Um, I don't know, man. I always say the same thing every year. It's got to be something that slaps me in the face. You know what I mean? I don't want to find something that's like, yeah, I could have bought that whenever, you know, for me, it's got to be something that I'm looking for or something that bona fide is like, wow, I got to take, got to have it. Take my money. Got to have it. Yeah. Waste no time. 
and I'm done doing the whole, I'm going to walk around and look a little bit. No, no, no. If I want it and I have the money, I'm buying it because how many times I've walked away from the table, even if it was for like 10 minutes and I come back and it's gone, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just, I, I, I hate that feeling. It's the worst well, it's feeling a little ever. different because you get the, the exclusive sneak preview because we're vending. But that, but here's the thing though. I've learned this. Yes, a lot of cool stuff can be acquired and seen on the Friday. And that's why in the past, I don't know if they still do this, they used to offer a table price ticket to individuals who wanted to come in on Friday. So um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but you used to be able to pay it's the, easy money the, the price for a whole table, and that lets you come in on Friday. But remember, only 50% of the people that are vending are really going to be done setting up Friday. A lot of them don't show up till late because they're traveling because of flat tires, God forbid, or whatever. So, you know, you're there all day Friday and you may not see the vendor you're looking for. You may not see the species you're looking for. Um, However, if you do get on Friday, that is usually perk. Now, some vendors are also, and, and part of me gets annoyed by it, but the other part of me commends them for this, is that they know that the vendors are going to get first pick, as we say, right? So they won't sell to vendors. They'll say, look, I'll honor you a, a, a vendor price or I'll hold it for you till tomorrow or whatever, but I'm not selling any animals on Friday. And like, I, I commend that, but at the same time, it it's is kind of going. goofy. It's like, it's kind of, it's kind of goofy. The, the 12 hours doesn't makes that much of a difference. Well, I feel yeah. like they want, they want people to have first crack at it. You know, maybe you'll forget, maybe you'll get preoccupied. Maybe you'll mm-hmm. be late. Who knows? So I don't know. I get it. So I'm I'm telling myself that I'm very specifically looking for either a visual hypo beards or a, fe- a female or a head hypo beards. Okay. Like that's at the top of the list right now. Cuz I have two males, I would like a girl. I'm sure there's going to be a corn or something I'm going to see that I'm going to end up going home with. But it's kind of the usual like beards uh horns and then i don't know i mean there's really there's nothing else i really need so well uh jimmy ranbolt forgive me if i butchered your name jimmy uh says always go for supplies love the animals leave the animals animals, but always go for the supplies i am in dire need of a vivarium electronics thermostat because i am very biased and that's what i want um, so I'm definitely going to be hitting that first. I'm going to definitely go to the book guy and, or book people, uh, yeah, I should say, and try and get me at least one or two books and not blow my entire Daytona wad on literature. Um, I'm going to keep my eye out for uh, Arizona Mountain Kings. If there are some that are what I'm looking for. Um, maybe a male Darwin. If I can find the right one, it's got to complement my female perfectly. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I really have a, a, a hard on for Angolans right now. But I think I'm gonna just wait and buy my time and get some from. I'm gonna get. I want to get one from Terry and I want to get one from Brett. And I think that just in time, whether it be next year or whatever. But I, I made that decision recently. So i also i rodent so like rodent breeder tubs with the like the wire lid i think me and jake are going to kind of look for some of those because those things are not cheap um so if i can find some that are in decent shape 
that I can just disinfect and take back home. That'd be perfect. Sure. Uh, and then I have a hobby stat, a Bavarian Electronics hobby stat, that the probe, one of the wires in the probe, got pulled out of the little like phone jack looking thing. Yeah. Um, so I need to get a replacement for that. And I was looking at those online today and I think I might just wait to see if there's any at the show, possibly just some spare probes or something, you know, yeah, I'm sure a little cheaper. So yeah, I'm sure somebody's going to have it. <clears throat> the, um, I'm also excited for Venom Life Gear is going yes. to have a whole new line of products. Uh, everything from, I mean, I don't want to give away too much. Am I allowed to say some of this stuff? I wouldn't. Okay, I won't do it. I'll just say they're going to have a bunch of new stuff that you they're going to have a bunch of really, out. really cool stuff. And Justin and I are going to try and pull some strings to maybe have some of that the stuff models. to show it off at the venue. Big old American poster children models. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it, dude, it's so awesome when you have a brand that you really, you really stand behind. Like, regard, like there's no sponsorship with us. Like they don't pay us to say this stuff. We just, we love the guys doing it. We love the materials that they're making, the designs they're making, whether it be the uh, ingenuity and ergonomics in their animal handling equipment, or it's just the, the softness of a t-shirt, you know? So. I do need to get I, my field hook from Woody. I need to probably text him before this week and see if he can bring one down. Cause I bought one and haven't gotten it yet. He's been, they've been busy. They're, they've been a lot. I don't think people been, realize just how yeah, much they, how much traveling they do. So mm -hmm. they've been cranking. So, but that's gonna be awesome. And yeah, man, I'm just excited. Just hanging out with everybody. Yeah, seeing everybody. You know, it's a, it's pretty awesome because I'm ready to so get many, nicotine poisoning. Right. So many people have messaged me. Hey, I'm going. This is my first time. Or hey, I'm going, and now we know each other, so we should definitely say hello. Like, that's awesome, you know? I think it's it's exciting. It really is, you know? And I hope I hope everyone can go, and I hope that everyone just has a great show, regardless if you buy anything, regardless if you make any money. Well, hopefully you make money if you're vending, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Some blue beauties. Miguel's shooting for 2023. Nice. Nice. Optimistic. Hey, and that goes back to our topic for tonight. It does. It does. So Why I figured all? with the corn stuff, like Jake's been jumping into colubrids. I've been jumping into colubrids more, but I still have the chondros. Still got the other stuff. I know you have some things. Uh, and it's... I don't, we really haven't really talked about it a whole lot, and I'm kind of bummed Billy couldn't join us tonight because he'd be a really good person to, to talk about this uh, with. But like sticking with a line, like sticking with a not necessarily a line, just a project, you know, finding like the the focusing in on on something, uh, yeah. you know, and as far as like breeding ambitions and whatnot, and not even breeding. I mean, I knew that when you proposed the idea of tonight's topic to me about, you know, your your future endeavors, your future projects, the first thing that comes to mind is your breeding projects, right? But it doesn't have to be a breeding project. And, and Justin and I are going to dive into this, I'm sure. But let's talk about, too, your enclosure projects, mm -hmm. you know, your uh, your room, your room, your room, your, your snake room, whatever it may be, your living room, 
however you're going to, you know, the decor and constructing and do-it-yourself stuff. So I was very excited when you brought this topic up to me today because I feel like all of us have our own facets of that. And mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, what am I going to produce? But at the same time, it's having those goals and doing everything in your power to achieve them. Well, it's a matter of having having the, the you know, looking downrange and really eyeing a target, even if you're a few, you know, years away from it or anything like that, like having an end goal. You know, like right now, the corn thing for me, I'm not exactly sure exactly outside of the, the locality stuff that I have, like with the morphs that I have now. Um, you know, I'm trying to sort of think about where I want to go with those, what I want to do, what do I want to focus on in particular, color-wise, pattern-wise, that kind of stuff. And I've been talking to Chris a, pre a pretty good bit about it. Because um, it's just hard, man. There's just so many cool combinations and stuff. It's so hard. It, it's it's I feel for people that are just like what I've said with ball pythons, like just coming into the morph thing. It's like, where do you start? You just The paradox of choice is so real. Um it's like how do you how do you pick something and stick with it it's tough yeah <clears throat> i know you were just mentioning about someone who produced a book on corn morphs yeah you want to bring that up real quick that's yeah so that's actually going to be the book review in the next issue because i bought both of them but uh sarah moore okay. at sarah's snake shop she has two let me see i'll bring them up actually and by the way do you want that article that i wrote last month for this month yes Okay. Things are a little squirrely at the moment with content, and I was expecting a lot from a lot, a handful of people, and I've yet to get anything. So could be okay. coming in on the eleventh hour, but we'll see. Well, we'll we'll make up for it. Let's see. So, Sarah wrote uh, "Corn Snake Cultivars, Volume One: Histories of Base Mutations," and then she did Volume Two, which is effects of selective breeding, which is sort of more just goes a little more in depth as far as the other morphs and stuff that are available currently. Um, I want to say she's working on a third one right now, but I bought both of them. Um, and they're awesome. I mean, it, it literally like, it's just the right amount of information about each, each of the main morphs in volume one, you know, to where it's not dragging on, but it, you feel like you, you got all the information you need as far as like just the, the simple synopsis of it. Um, and then the, the second one is just building upon that that first book and explains sort of the combinations of some of those base morphs and, and where how those have become like a second tier base in its, of sorts. Uh, so very cool. Uh, highly recommend them. I think they're $17.99 each right now. Uh, nice. I think together they make up, I think Chris said they make about 94 pages. Um. And cool. I don't even know what, what that one's all about. I think I had that book at one point. I don't anymore. Did I, now, I, did you throw that up or did I throw that up? You threw that up. My apologies. I did not oh, need to. Sorry. Well, there it goes. I did not. I pushed the wrong button. But I was going to bring that up too. So this book, I bought this book oof, probably in 2006. And at the time, there was a crap load of morphs. And now I can't even imagine how many there are now. But if you can't get a hold of Justin, the book that Justin's talking about, which is obviously the most comprehensive, the most up-to-date, if you happen to see this book in your local pet shop, the Corn Snake book from Kathy Love, like, this book is I, yeah, a, a I timeless classic. classic. Manual, the original. Yeah. yeah, it's a timeless classic and, and definitely worth, uh, what is it, six, $17, you know. But so. that's, I mean, that's exactly why I got Sarah's books, because I think the first one she released in 
when was that? Let's see. I think it was like 2018, maybe. Okay. 2018. So, like, I heard the the two books she has out right now, I think, are the most up to date that we have currently. Um, and obviously, the the second volume of that is going to be a little more so than the other one. Uh, get my screen thing together. So that's the reason I got hers because there was stuff. Um, some of the morphs that I was curious about myself, you know, there's some that are kind of confusing like mask and stuff like that. And I'm, I've been so out of the loop with morphs and corns and stuff that I, I needed a pretty serious education on where things are at currently. Um, so yeah, I remember the there was, there was albino, there was motley, there was anery, amel ghosts. There was ghosts. There was, I think there was lavender Candy at some canes. point. Candy, yeah, lavenders are kind of few and mm. far between it when they yeah. kind of first started. And I think popular. that was it, man. Blood reds. Um, I think charcoals were a thing, but weren't really a thing yet. Um, Sunkissed were probably still a thing. I never, never heard of Sunkissed. That's I'm actually out, that, I'm that, out that, of it. that came from a from some some of Kathy Love's animals. Like this weird hypo-ish looking animal popped out. And now, like, you throw Sunkissed into stuff, and it just does really wacky things, man. It's actually pretty interesting. Nice. Um, but just the fact that there's still, I mean, there's, you go on VMS Herp, they've got stuff for sale that's, you know, 500 bucks. Like, there's still things that, like, we, there's, there's still a lot of ground to cover as far as corn combinations go. So, I don't know. It's just it's figuring out what I want to do with those as far as the morphs. Because originally I was like, I'm going to tie these into the locality stuff, which I still want to. Right. And we'll, that kind of segs into another thing in a second. But so like locality stuff is going to be sort of at the top as far as focus goes and what I want to reproduce the most of. But then mm -hmm. I want to tie the morph stuff into that and see what happens. Uh, but then I also want to start doing some combinations of stuff like opposite ends of the spectrum, trying things out and seeing what happens. Um you know, as far as morphs go and, and colors. Um, so that's one of those things where who was giving me a hard, I think Jake was giving me a hard time about it. And I was like, yeah, I want to tie this, you know, Tessera honey that I got from JT at Silent Hill Reptiles into the locality stuff just to see what happens. And, but I, my point was like Billy Hunt does a really good job of that. So he does the Carpondros. So he still has his core group of like Petersons and stuff that he's doing with carpets that is pure and and right. and and clean. Right. But then he has he's like I have a spare male chondro, a spare female carpet. I want to do Jack Bondos. I'm going to do that. So I'm thinking that's sort of the like still do the pure stuff, but also like have the the extra wiggle room on the side with with numbers and whatnot to be able to to play around a little more. So sure, sure, especially when you have you know one male that. You know, maybe you start breeding it with the uh, the locality stuff in the beginning of season, and then give them a slight break, and then throw them to a morph or two morphs. You know, towards the end of season, you know, break it up a little bit if you can. And I mean, even then, like all the stuff that I've gotten that's morph morph related, um, it's all still small. Like we're going to be looking another two or three years before anything happens with those. So it's just going to be locality stuff for the next two or three years. Um, yeah. Unless I get my hands on some adult stuff, which I usually tend not to for whatever reason, like buying adults that are just kind of ready to go, you know, outside of green trees doesn't really appeal to me all that much. Like I don't, unless it's something that's just like really unique. Like you were saying when you're shopping at the show, something that's just got to have it right now. Like no yeah. questions asked. Um, I don't know. I just, 
we'll see. So, but like pursuing sort of a single project and seeing it through, you know, locality corns, I think are a good example. Like those aren't worth a lot of money, but I'm completely okay with that because I, I, we've seen yeah. what line breeding does with, you know, South Carolina corn snakes. And I want to see what happens with the ones that I have in my collection. So, right. Right. Uh, that's what I want to stick with. And when it comes down to brass tacks, like, yeah, the money's cool, but we do it because we love this stuff. You know, we like to see it go full circle. We like to the experience of pairing animals and you know, the miracle of eggborne life. You know, so it's good. I think it's it's sort of almost like leaving a, a you know sort of a legacy behind. Like you look at Abbott, like Abbott line corns are incredible. Yeah, if I see Abbott line anything in a mix as far as genetics go, I get a little excited because it's like those are some of the best looking corn snakes in in the history of corn snakes. Yeah. So if there was a day. And I'm not like shooting for this specifically or that being the only reason I want to do this, but to have something that you can call like I spent a decade plus refining that and working on it and like holding back a ton of animals trying to figure out which one plugs in best to this, like the vision that I have in my head for way down the road. Um, like it'd be cool to have something that was that goes back to me where people are like, Oh yeah, you know, Justin did that however many years ago. And yeah. Remember, remember old man Smith, Yeah, old man Smith used to live on that house on the other side of the Island, man, he bred the best corn snakes in the world. There's just something wholesome about pure corn snakes, man. I don't know what it is. It's, it's like quintessential Americana. Like I see those babies and those babies that I, so I ended up after everything was said and done, I have 2.2. Left that are I'm holding back for me, so Jake got a pair. Um, one went to JT, and then Joe Rosa won a voucher in an auction for uh, my stuff, and I ended up he ended up just getting a pair out of that. So cool, uh, it works out. But it's just to see those things and the color they're at already, even being only like two sheds in. It's just like I really I want to fast forward and see where these things go. I don't know if I have any like decent ones. Is that right? You want me to text them to you? Or just throw them on the screen? Oh, you have to. Yeah, they're on my phone. Yeah, text them to me. Excuse me. Let's see. There's one. I need to take some like updated ones. They're little, they're feisty little things, man. Good. They're all eating like monsters. Well, most of them are eating like monsters. Did uh, did Jake take his home or no? Yeah, he did. He when cool. he got his rack all set up and everything. Uh, he took his home yesterday. Actually, no, was it yesterday? I think it might have been. I don't know. He has them. So. All right, there we go. Let's get these up on the screen. Yeah. All right. Look at that, man. Look at that checkerboard. And you can just tell that's going to pop white so well. Yeah, I don't, like they came out really dark, like the whole clutch. You know, they it was just 
I was I was wondering if they were just going to remain dark, but that first shed it was like, oh my god, and then that second shed it was like, oh my god, like it's not, it ain't, it, it's it's fading fast, like they're they're coloring up real nice. So, oh yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm super curious to see how they progress and how they turn out. I love this little sunset patch up in here. That little rainbow on the neck. Yeah, rainbow bridge. Good, man. Good yeah. saddles, good clean set, like legit saddles, not just blotches. <clears throat> it's great, man. Mm -hmm. It's good looking babies. Here. The um, I'll send some of the the morph stuff too. Yeah, please do. I actually, uh, so I got a Palm Beach County corn that I caught as a juvenile that wasn't looking so hot, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take this thing home. I'll get some meals in them. Why not have a pet corn snake? And when I took him home, he threw up three brown annals. Mm. And I got him eaten, and it's been like maybe four or five months now. And uh, it turned out he's a boy, and he died today, actually. Oh, that's and I, I don't understand why. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe the parasite load got up to uh, got too much for him. I, I did not deworm him just because I wanted him to get established first, and maybe it just caught up to him. But the. I also have a Miami phase that Marcus got from me, found for me in Miami. And I don't really care for the Miami phase. I mean, I appreciate it for what it is. It's definitively Florida, you know, but it just never did anything for me. Dude, the more I play with that snake, the more I feed that snake, the bigger that snake gets, the more I just like it. And so now I have to find an appropriate boyfriend. She's a girl. I have to find an appropriate boyfriend for her from Miami. And I think that that is, again, another project that I would definitely like to do. Even if I give the babies away, I got to do it because it's Florida, man. See, that's right? I, I kind of feel the same way about the Miami stuff. Um, what's funny is some of the stuff that, that people are tying Miami into morph-wise <clears throat> is really interesting. Yeah, you were telling me that. So those first two pictures that I just sent you are that—that's the little female from Chris. Oh, hold on! I did not get this picture. Hang on. Oh, look at that little guy all messed up. Yeah, right, man. Let's, let's share this. Hold on. Screen share window. Right. Dude, that's too cute, man. There, one like bit me on the pinky the other night. I was holding it, cleaning its cage, and I guess I twitched my pinky, and it just whacked it. Awesome. Awesome. That's the little oh, female Tessera from, from Chris. And see, that doesn't even, like, to me, I, I I imagine more geometric shapes when I think Tessera. Like, that is a total dorsal line. Let me see. She is a, from a ultra male Motley Tessera to a ghost Tessera, and the sire's also het anery. So, she's got a lot going on. Dude, very cool. Het Ultramel, Het Motley, Het Hypo, Het Annery. That's not the same animal, is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. Just okay. better lighting. Yeah. Oh, awesome. You're outside with that one? That's the picture Jake took. Okay, cool. Because it got Chris shipped it to Jake with all his stuff. Oh, nice. That's a little male I got. He's Het Sunkissed. So there, there you go. You saying about the Sunkissed getting put in there, you can tell. That even as small as this animal is, look how much like bright highlighter is coming through. 
Yeah, that one's gonna age really nice. And that one I have planned for one of the one of the local females I have, who's also got the the heavy, thick borders. That's one thing I want to kind of play with is yeah, the, the borders on the saddles and really seeing how thick and and heavy I can get those. It almost looks like a milk snake, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome! He came from Crystal Colubrids, who were nothing but pleasant to deal with. why that's still spinning but oh i got two imagers that didn't come through sorry looks like the link was broken or something but here we'll show this guy this little caramel looking beauty uh, screen share bing, bing. that's that same female tessera that you're kidding or gene nope same female wow man what crazy? a dynamic and lighting. Yeah. That looks like a completely different animal. Yeah, it's just it's the it's unbelievable how clean just some of those stripes are and whatnot. And that's awesome. Whoops. <laughs> that was uh I think Lewis made that. <laughs> oh geez. Uh, so yeah, so now I have to go to Miami and find a Miami mail. Like this guy, so, this guy has Miami in him. That honey tessera. Nice. You know what? Let me go get that female. I gotta show her off. And this is the female annery that also came from JT. I like that she's got like that pale head. I don't know. It's it's a sort of an exciting new frontier of sorts to sort of come back to. I guess is the best way to to say it. Uh, it's just it's been so long since I've been in it. I'm so clueless with a lot of it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> So between those and the Bairds and the Dion's and stuff, I think I got plenty of uh, plenty of stuff to keep me busy until Condors are ready again. And yeah, I definitely, I, I also think Corns are sort of they've been on a, a very slow sort of comeback, like it's been slowly ramping up each year, and now I think it's really starting to get to that point where it takes off. Hmm. There he is. I think corns do beat balls. So this is her, and she is absolutely livid. She's striking and peeing and doing Very angry all the things corn snakes do. But the belly is super unique. Yeah, it is. A lot more uh, sort of chaotic and <laughs> the twitch. Yeah. Look at that belly. That's and interesting. Oh, she just pooped all over my laptop. Nice. Do you find that the other corners that you like in that area have that same thing going on with the belly? 
Uh, no, not at all. Uh, no. There's there's checkerboard, and then there's like somewhat somewhat like this, but a Miami, but the only the Miamis really have this. And I've found mm-hmm. Miamis as far north as North Palm Beach or uh, like South South Palm Beach, Mid Palm Beach. But oh, dude, you are just going crazy on my oh, ugh, it's everywhere. But that's yeah, a good corn. She's definitely gonna get kept. Oh. Uh, eh. It's everywhere. Oh, oh God. Oh, stop. I love you. Just love me back. <laughs> she says, I'll give you a hug, all right. Just incredible coloration. Yeah. So, all right, let me put her away before I get more poop on my laptop. They're cool snakes. It's just it's a it's a great great species to sort of just tinker around with and see what you can do. I'm hoping that this UV and the new setup helps convince the Jance and I to make some eggs happen. Uh, I'm going to start misting them a little heavier and see if that plays a factor in it. So, I don't know. We'll see. I put my, my little camera out to, to watch them to see if they've been basking under the UV at all today, and I really didn't see them much, but they're probably still uh, trying to figure out exactly where they are compared to you know the eight inches below where they, they were originally. So. Well, I say Billy was a good good person to talk to about the whole like sticking with the project thing because Billy's like he has his stuff that he's laser focused on and uh, I think he's a good example of of that very thing and I guess Jake with his IJs and stuff too you know even though he's kind of he's, he's pulling back on those a little bit uh even with the colubrid stuff he's got, I, I think he's he kind of knows exactly what he wants and what he wants to reproduce, and he's honing in on it like a like a angry falcon. I'm wiping the urates off of my headphone cord. Ugh, <laughs> everywhere. So I don't know. I should. Let me. I gotta. I gotta message Chris real quick. I have to get security clearance before I discuss anything. Did you get it figured out? You settled. Talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, what a disaster. You all situated? Yeah, and you know like the when they when they shoot those urates out, it's like gritty. Yeah. Oh, there's just like grit like, everywhere. Like sandy. Yeah, sandy. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> Why are you doing that to yourself? It's the smell of victory. <laughs> Disgusting. 
<clears throat> I'm kidding. I wash my hands. I gotta check my coffee, make sure she didn't bark <laughs> me in there. You know they that's, do that in wheel thing. Yeah, man, that's how the bears <laughs> are. I've got a few that if I touch them, it's just like an explosion. Like it almost rockets them into the air, like propulsion, air, like rocket jet propulsion. It's insane. Oh, colubrids, gotta love them. So when we were recording Thursday, I got a message from a guy asking about the Dion's that I had. Right. Um, and he actually is the one who Lofman got them from. Okay. And he was saying that that Siberian pair that I have are, as far as he knows, the only Siberian Dion's in the country. Really? I don't know how so accurate that is. Okay, so let's rewind. So they're not anything. They're not any different than any other Dion's. It's from a different. Their range is massive. Right. So, so let me. All right. So I let's rewind. Know, I just it was did, interesting. did Doc say that they were Siberian, or is this guy saying it? It's. It's no. Doc did too. Okay. The guy. This is the guy that Doc got them from. Oh, okay. I guess okay. came across me on it. Came across me on Instagram. Saw those Dion and said, "Those look really familiar. Are those the ones you got from Zach?" And I said, "Yes." And he's like, "Oh, I, I sold him those. You know, this is X, Y, and Z." So where so did that he baby? Get them from? I they were European imports. I think is what he told me. Let me look it up. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. He said he got them from me, and I got them from a breeder in Europe. Uh, did you get all the locality info with them? As far as I know, those Amur individuals are the only ones in the country. I still have some unrelated Beijings that look pretty different from yours, from a different source. I uh, thought it might be good to make contact in case either of us wants to add new blood in the future. So. Excellent. Now, what has Doc Messenger said about it? Uh, I don't know. I sent him pictures of the... Siberians, and he said they look pretty standard to him as far as like Chinese stuff. Okay. But then I have that Beijing female that looks very different from the other two. Right. So I don't know. And then the baby that came from that lone Beijing female is was bred to that male Siberian. So that one is like a cross as far right. as localities go. Uh, okay. So I thought that was interesting. Thought it was cool. Very. Those are neat snakes. It's always Actually, neat to get this backstory, you know. So I got I got a, a six uh, a six tier V seventy rack from Black Box. Cool. And then I had one of Jake's three tier V seventy equivalents. It doesn't have actual V seventy tubs, but it's got a tub that's more or less the same dimensions. It might be a little shallower. Um. And so I had technically nine V V seventies. But Jake okay. was super worried about me plugging in the heat to that three tub rack of his because he's like, right. dude, that tape's really old. Like, there's a bunch of dust in there. It might be a fire hazard. And so we were rearranging the room. And I was like, well, wait a second. I have the three adult Dion's. They don't need heat. So I'll just put them in that three, three tier tub and just not plug them in. They'll be good to go. So it worked out perfectly. Okay. Well, good stuff. That's the first I've heard of that. Vic says use shaving cream. He said it hears that he hears it gets the odor out. Which I have not heard before. 
Sorry, I was just cleaning stuff off my computer. <laughs> like a grenade. Right? A musk grenade. All right, so that goes to back to talking about projects and goals. So now you have your Ladies Island locality stuff, your, your southeast South Carolina. You've got some morph stuff that you're going to assimilate that and augment that into it. And then you've also got your Siberian locality Dion's, which is super cool. And then we segue into Baird's as well. Well, that's what you were talking about when we first started was it doesn't even necessarily have to be breeding. Right, right. Like, I love Baird's, and I have a habit of just buying Baird's when I see them at shows. Whether I breed or not, for whatever reason, I'm just like, yeah, I need another one, why not? You know, yeah. so I'm trying this year. I'm trying to fix that. It's like if I see more Mexicans, I'll grab them. If I see a female hypo, be it visual or het, doesn't matter what age. I mean, even if I did find adult female, that actually wouldn't be bad because my adult male is going to be ready to go. So I don't cool. know. Well, so that goes to everyone who's been listening to this show knows about my Everglades Rat Snake Crusade. Mm hmm. And it, we're going on about two years now, and I'm still empty-handed. So one of the guys who uh, used to be a invasive field collector for underground, um, now he has a normal normal job, but he still keeps and breeds a lot of stuff. And he always would find the coolest glades rats. We'll definitely see you this week weekend, Mike. Yeah, man. Have a good night, Mike. Um, and <laughs> I. Somebody said, hey, you know, his name's Chris. He's like, Chris is selling uh, a pair of Glades rats. Didn't you still want them? And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I really want to just find my own. I want to catch my own. You know, I want to find a, a, a small enough juvenile or a baby that I can raise up and have the full experience. I know exactly where that animal came from, what road, what county, what whatever. You know, that's just, I just, I want that for myself. But this kid... I honestly trust if he says it came from this road at this time of day, I believe him. And he sent me these pictures. I mean, it's also so, kind of a goofy thing to lie about in the first place. Well, but you know, but a lot of field herpers will definitively do that because they don't want you to go and steal their spot. And they'll say, Oh no, this is uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale. And you'll be like, Oh really? Okay, cool. And then you realize that there are none in Fort Lauderdale. You know what I mean? So first, before he offers me the pair, he shows Fort me Slaughterdale. Fort Slaughterdale. He shows me this, and I got so excited. He sends me that. Oh, and my. I'm and I'm like, whoa! Those are, dude. Those are like the Brahms caliber. Exactly. Those are those. Brahms caliber. Oof. So Wait, what? I said I didn't. I didn't ask him how much. I just said I'll take it. And he's like, no, 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 that's not for sale. That's my breeder male that I'm going to keep forever. He says, but this is the road I found it on. Go here. And I was like, okay. Kind so of, Kind of messed up that he would send you a picture. Right. Well, that, and that was, that's Easy what I like said. That. It was a super duper tease. So, <laughs> so he did give me the road. So after Daytona, I'm going to spend every night that I can going to this freaking road. And hopefully don't get kicked off by cane farmers, right? How far is it from you? That's the thing. It's actually closer than where I've been going. 
It's like an oh, hour closer than where, right? So technically, I've been looking in Hendry County because that's where Brahms are from. That's where everyone says the best ones come out of Hendry. This is Palm Beach County. This is my county. So it's a lot closer than I imagined. It's still a hike. It's still about an hour drive. Palm I don't Beach know that I've ever seen any wild huge. ones that, that bright. And here's the thing, man. So you can see in the little corner where it says live on our thing or even like the, mm-hmm. the YouTube red coloration. Dude, we used to find them that color red down in, in like Collier County and, and even down to Monroe County. That They were blood red, bright fire engine red, and not anymore. And I, I really feel like that's because they're they're forced to integrate with normal yellows. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other topic for another time. But after he told me about the road and everything else, it's then he sent me this picture. Hey, speaking of the devil, there's JT. Hey, what's up, sir? We were just singing your praises. So this is the female. That's still a good-looking snake, though. That's still a good-looking snake. And he says it is ugly because it's in the tub. He says I that believe the, it. the desk lamp that he was using for lighting is not doing the snake justice. That snake is currently gravid. And he says the minute it lays its eggs, it's mine. And that's its boyfriend. Nice. Again, I think it's got a lot of potential. Um I really like how light it is in here, mm-hmm. and it still has some light on the nose. See, I like the the sort of the still having the the definitive stripes. Yeah, the, I, like, I the, like that. But it's got to get it's got to be that faded. Like, dude, mm-hmm. I mean, look at look at the first one. Almost like someone took a pencil and kind of just yeah, gently like, sketched it on there. Just, just etched that shading, right? You know, and then just that nice. But I, I think tail. the difference, like if you had pulled those other two snakes outside and took an outdoor picture like that, you'd right. probably get similar results. Like I have, like it's so frustrating now to take pictures inside. So now, yeah. any chance I get, if I can go outside before work, you know, not before the sun just comes beating down on my driveway, but when there's still some some cover and whatnot, and softer lighting, man, so many more colors come out in those chondros. Me and Jake were just talking about that yesterday, like. He even said with the stuff he got from Chris that he was taking pictures of, you know, he's like, you know, the albinos, you can't even fully appreciate them until you get them out and you see just all the, you get so much more detail and like clarity. Yeah. Uh, and so now, like I said, it's just, I gotta, gotta get them outside and get pictures that way because it's, I feel like you're not, like even with the bears, like right. indoors, they're like, yeah, what, like, like my, my, my adult pair that, you know, not the Loma Altas, but the quote unquote Mexicans. Right. Um, they don't look like anything special, but if I get them outside, man, that gun metal towards the back half really comes out more and it just naturalized the way to go. Yeah. So as soon as that female drops her clutch, he's going to basically make sure she's okay. Get maybe one meal in her and then, uh, and then they're mine. So even if I can't find my own, I think I'll, I'll just, I'll get them. At least I'll have a pair that I know where they came from. They both came from that same road. Now, they didn't come like same night or anything, right. but he also same, same population more. Like. Right, right. He also sent me this picture, uh, just to just to prove to me that you know uh, the road is an adequate road. He found these the same time he stopped his car. So he stopped his car. He went after the racer first, grabbed the racer, and then grabbed the two rat snakes. <laughs> how 
How that great razor, that razor's so pissed. That razor's so pissed. But how great is that? You have an Everglades, you have a true yellow, and you got a black racer, and he caught them all at the same time. Doesn't get much more Florida than that. Like that is a that is the Florida picture, you know? And he's a really tall, kind of skinny guy, so you know he can. He's got a real long wingspan, so I am. I can just imagine him walking down the side of the levee, you know, just arms arms stretched out like this, so he doesn't get nabbed by that racer. <laughs> but man, like that's what it's about, man. I'm 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 stoked. So even even though I haven't found my own yet, which I know I will, um, at least I can get into the Everglades game that way. And and again future projects and i know i'm not going to make that much money off of it or any money at all even if i never breed them i have my quintessential florida snakes you know that's that makes me happy so you're muted i just realized that yeah what were you saying <laughs> that racer wants to end someone's bloodline yeah that <laughs> literally that racer like the cracked open mouth yeah, looks that, like, uh... thinks it's a taipan you know Dude, that's that's something the Jansen I do, like they the crack front, they crack their mouth. The front half of their like their their lips, quote unquote, touch, and then the back of their mouths they like open it up. Yeah, it's 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 mm -hmm. bizarre looking. And uh, Ryan Cox says uh, uh, the chemtrails also kill a lot of them, and, and I really do believe that. I believe that because of agricultural runoff, there is less and less snakes because there's less and less prey items to feast upon and highways are horrible barriers for snakes. So maybe that's why everyone says Hendry County is the way to go because there's less traffic, you know, there's more agriculture, less traffic, who knows, but, uh, but I'm excited. I still want house snakes. Dude, Billy's got some crazy house snakes. That I was forgetting. Uh, he has those. dude, a side project that he was, somebody was like, Oh, you want some capensis? Sure. And dude, his house snakes are textbook, bro. Little python in colubrid form. Yep. So. So yeah. But what do you have other than those than the glades that you're looking as far as like projects that you're? So I have my parafuscus, which yep. I'm very excited about. Uh, I'm growing them slow, despite them growing like weeds. I'm growing them slow. Um, the girl is almost. She's pushing well over four foot. The boy's probably three and change. Um, and I'm just I'm just feeding them once or twice a month a big big meal like once or twice a month. They're taking massive poop turds, and uh, I need to get them a bigger enclosure. Is what I need to do. But that's a fun project for me because I've already decided that the species is so niche that only certain individuals appreciate them and only certain individuals are willing to work with them because they're not the prettiest and they're kind of pains in the ass. Uh, I've got Queensland locality, which are, they're super friendly. They're extremely food aggressive, but they're super friendly. My girlfriend plays with them. You know, I let, I let any, anyone can pick them up and hold them. You just got to use a hook to get them out first. Um, but the, uh, yeah, but I'm really excited because they're going to all good friends. Whatever I produce, they're going to friends to just keep the keep it going. You know what I mean? Just keep the keep the fuscus, the Queensland fuscus going. Um, I'm pretty sure they are clutch mates, so I'm not too happy about that. But if we can maybe get some other blood in there, you know, later on, rock and roll. You know, hey, what's up, Austin? Um, 
I also have the Serastes project. So between Marcus and I, we have uh, 28 Serastes Serastes, all different shapes and sizes, all different, <clears throat> excuse me, patterns and textures. Uh, and some of them are completely tan. Some of them have definitive grayish blue saddles to them. Uh, and they're all the horned variety. So a lot of people don't realize this, but Serastes Serastes have essentially different, uh, uh, I don't want to call it lineages, but depending on the locality or depending on that population of vipers, they don't grow horns. They're still the same species. Uh, they just don't grow that horn scalation. Um, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, we are talking about the desert horned viper. I'm going to pull up a picture right quick so you guys can see what we're talking about. <clears throat> So this is Serastes, Serastes, or Kirastes, Kirastes, the desert horned viper. And as you can see, they have devil horns, which is super cool. Hail Satan, brother. Hail Satan, brother. Um, so this horn here is, is an actual scale. It's one solid scale. And when they shed, they actually shed the whole horn, and a new horn is underneath it. Um so we can get a better picture there you go that's a good one there um they are saharan sand vipers they range all the way from mauritanica across the sahara all the way up into egypt and the sinai and well into israel and northwestern saudi arabian peninsula um so we have a bunch of different animals they're all wild caught uh, and we're going to basically hold on them for a while see what's what see what genders we have and ratios we have and then try and do some captive breeding because these animals are brought in by the truckloads from Egypt, typically. Um, and they have a very high mortality rate because people don't comprehend the extreme dynamics of their ecosystem. So you're looking at in excess of 100 degrees Fahrenheit or in excess of 40 degrees Celsius during the day. And then, bam, down to 60 degrees Fahrenheit at night. Uh, you also have peaks and valleys of humidity. So these animals are such a dry, arid, extreme desert species that humidity levels of 30, 35, 40% can be lethal to them. And I've actually had animals where I wasn't taking, it wasn't my animals, it was someone else's collection. They put water dishes in there and within 24 hours, those animals were dead because the airflow wasn't consistent, the humidity rose too high, maybe the sand got wet that they were in, and the sand, believe it or not, sand holds a ton of humidity. When people think of sand, they think of dry, dry, dry. It's not. When sand gets wet, it clumps up like kitty litter, and it turns into a, a big, humid clump. Holds and that bacteria is, really well. It holds bacteria very well. Um, so the biggest thing with them is extreme heat, low humidity, high ventilation, which is very hard to do in captivity because – we want to we want to contain things. We want to hold things in to keep that heat, and therefore it raises the it raises the humidity because there's poor ventilation. So it's a constant balancing act of that. Um, they're but, literally hard to keep because they're easy to keep. Exactly, exactly. They're, they're so, so easy, it's hard. They're so rugged that it's hard to maintain in captivity. So I've actually uh, I will I've gotten pretty good at reading the animal. Um, when I fill up my water jugs and my sprayers in my room, I'll see the Serastes come to the glass and they'll start to like tongue flick on the glass and they can smell that fresh water. Um, so what I'll do is depending on how active they are, 
I'll soak them in like an inch of water for 20, 30 minutes, let them get a huge, big gulp. I will then put them in a fresh thing of sand to dry them off, leave them in there for a little while, let all that sand, the wetness that's on them kind of get clumpy or dry or whatever, kind of like kitty litter. And then I'll put them back in their enclosure and let them actually dry off. But the ventilation is, is crucial, you know? Um, so I have that project coming and Marcus and I realized that that's a multi-year project and we'll probably, we'll hopefully sell a few specimens to people maybe by the end of the year when we kind of see what we're doing and how we're working with it. Um, uh, what's JT saying? I know exactly who he's talking about and I completely agree. He said, if you haven't seen them, check out Bushveld. I think their name is, they came from Africa and brought their collection over here. Are those the folks that went to Rhode Island and sold P and Cody, the venomous? I don't know. I think they might be them. I know. Like I've, I've seen them and they have some really interesting and cool stuff. Yeah. But I thought so. they were over there. I thought they were over in like South Africa or something. So mm. I didn't know they were over here, but that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's going to be a very interesting project. And then I also have my wrinkles project. So, um, as of right now, I have, it is 3.6 unrelated wrinkles. Uh, they are all of the banded variety. Uh, some of them have more bands than others and it's difficult to pinpoint locality. And I'm trying to work on this. I'm talking to some friends that live in South Africa and trying to figure out, but everyone always talks about with the wrinkles. They talk about the Coxstad, right? Oh, the Coxstad is the best. It's the most orange. It has the marbling and the bands. And, you know, Dingo made that video of him in the, in the cow fields with the wrinkles on that brick wall. Amazing video. Whether you like Dingo or not, you know, that video of him, in, in the cow fields with the spitters is just a phenomenal video. Um, and he really does a good job of showing how they're not an aggressive species. It's, it's purely defensive as, as most, or if not all reptiles are, but they're very intelligent despite them being super derpy, if that makes any sense. Um, they're constantly aware of their surroundings, which has made cage cleaning a total pain in the ass. Um, but yeah, so I've got 3.6 of them now. I have some that are uh, black with like lemonade yellow bands. I have other ones that are more of a sunset color. I have other ones that are kind of a, a bourbon hue with some bright oranges and, and yellows. Actually, I don't know why I'm saying this because we're on snakes and stogies. We can show people, right? Yeah. So I'm going to show you some deli cup photos. And forgive me for deli cup photos, but this is literally the night that I got most of them. Um, and that'll just make things easier because they're very hard to take photos of because they constantly want to spit in my face, which I do everything in my power to not have that happen. And so far, knock on wood, um, of all my animals, I've only been spat on twice and it was on my arm because I had them focusing on my hand and the hook. Um, here is... Let me see if there's audio so I can mute. Oh, it won't let me play the video because it says it's too high definition. Well, that's poopy. All right, hang on one second, folks. Forgive me. Can you hear the gentle sounds of rain in the background? Is that what that is? 
I don't know if you had your fan going. I do have my fan going, but it is okay. not raining. So here is my yearling. So this was actually imported completely different than the other ones that I have. Um, and I love this picture because he's just basking in the morning sun. You know, this staring photo out his is, window, trying to figure out what he's going to do with his day. He literally is staring at his windows, like figuring out what he's going to do with his day. And it was 8.30 in the morning. My lights in my room hadn't even turned on yet. And he's just sitting there looking out the window. And it wasn't until I put the camera, the cell phone, right up against the, the plexi or the plastic tub. That's when he opened his hood. So I just took that quick shot, but like that animal is just so impressive to me. And I know it's going to be at least another year or two before I breed him, but it's just, he's just an awesome looking animal, man. You know, he's watching you. He really is watching me. Well, he actually was looking out the window, but so here is, here's a female and that's a bad picture. Cause she's hiding underneath the foam, but that's pretty much your traditional looking banded pattern. Um, I believe that most of my animals are from an integrate zone and somebody who lives in South Africa is more than welcome to correct me and educate me. I, I welcome it wholeheartedly, but from what I gather, all those Coxstad animals, um, they're not actually from Coxstad because the banding that you're seeing in most of them is not indicative of that region of KwaZulu-Natal. Most of the animals that we call a Coxstad locality is actually from the Eastern part of Eastern Cape province. And I believe that a lot of the animals like I have that have the lemonade coloration with the black, that is also another integrate zone where the Eastern Cape meets Southern Khotang and where they're just jet black or dark slate gray. So you're getting the banding and the marbling, but you're having a, a higher black content, so to speak. So that's one of my females there. Why do I not have, why is it not letting me, there we go, okay. So there's another female, and like like I said, like that lemonade coloration, you know, with the jet black yeah, head. Yeah, that might be my favorite right there. Yeah, she's a she's a looker. Just that contrast um, and the wider, sort of the wider black too. Oh yeah, yeah, I really like the, the that wide black. This kind of you know is kind of annoying, but it definitely gives character. Mm -hmm. And you can see where it, it's almost reversed, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And yes, Brandon, they do look like weird looking jungles. Um, this is another, this is a male, I believe. And that eye cap actually came off on its own. So, but I like how this one has that white in there. Yeah. You know, that's really cool. This is one of my favorite males, just straight up khaki, oh, khaki yeah. and black. Yeah. So, and you can just see how rich and jet black that head is. <clears throat> That's another male. That one's cool. I like him. This has more of that, uh, 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 like a jungle jag, you know? Yeah. That real Ivory. light. Yeah, almost almost like a zebra. So female. This is this is what you'd expect from Eastern Cape. Just bold bands, a, a you know an ambery color or an amber gold color. That's a power drill. It's okay. We know what that really is. <laughs> That's a step drill bit for drilling air holes. <laughs> That's what that is. I was showing a friend. Um, let me find the video of my triumphant female, my 
my African queen. Hang on a second. Oh, it won't let me play this. Why won't it let me play this? Oh, man. That's poopy. All right, well, you know what? You entertain them. I'm going to forward this to myself so that we can watch it. Okay. So. I want to talk about the thing that me and Chris are doing, but at the same time, I don't. Okay. Most because I don't have them in hand yet. Okay. But what should I do? Um, I mean, you can, if you're, if you're not, if you can speak about it, speak about it, man. We don't have to necessarily show it off. You don't have photos. You don't have photos. You can talk about projects that the show's all about, you know, upcoming future goals and endeavors. Well, they're not supposed to ship until tomorrow. Okay. But me and Chris went in on the first and currently only available pair of 100% Het Annery Bairds. Yeah. I like it. So, very excited about that. I wasn't even really... Initially, like, I didn't even want to ask uh, the breeder about them, like, them being what he had for sale, just because it was one of those things where I assumed they were probably super high and he wasn't going to let any go, but it actually turned out being, uh, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So right. I asked just out of curiosity, and uh, we made it happen. So that's going to be a pretty big deal. Nice. At least, I mean, they're bared, so no one cares about them still, but to I'll me, it's, it's important. I'll say that. All right. Everyone's just a bunch of jealous haters. Thank you, Austin. I do need to get, I want to get some stickers, uh, Smith Farm stickers made. Other than, I ordered just two from Teespring just to see how they'd come out, and they were all right. So, I will get some more, and then I will be able to send them to whoever would like some. Stickers. Which, then that, the, the head anery thing is another reason why I would like a female hypo beards because I would like to tie that in eventually down the way. It's part of the, the grand scheme. The grand vision. I like it. Sorry for my lack of attentiveness. I'm just trying to get these videos uploaded. Unbelievable. All right. So, share the screen. This is that one yeah. female. 
Wow. I just, I love that photo. That photo was me trying to be sneaky and sliding the phone underneath the lid of the tub. And she just was staring right at the lens. And I was like, oh, snap that picture. So. Well, what's funny, what's odd too, is like the top is, is matte, but the, like the belly is glossy. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And what's very interesting is um, they go through, I don't want to say like, it doesn't change hue like a chameleon, but a lot of the stomach scales are very high blue. And I actually, you know, I've had a a fair bit of these animals over the years and and it wasn't until I had one pass away and uh, I was freezing it and I noticed the stomach was completely turquoise and it wasn't Mm -hmm. because of shed. It just happened to be that color. Um, I may even actually have a picture of it. I'm pretty sure I took a picture of it. But so that's that one. And then this is actually the female that I plan to breed this upcoming winter. Um, Let me switch this real quick. Forgive the uh, videos. They had audio and uh, it got messed up. That's her. And this cage is, again, some of the projects we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Uh, This cage will be planted with live grass. So I'm going to have live grass to match that background. But that background is actually from KwaZulu-Natal. A good uh, internet friend, uh, Lucas, down in South Africa, was kind enough to send me a couple images to make backdrops out of. Um, So that's my big breeder female. Her name is actually Lemonade. Uh, This is also her, not happy with me. And all that, all this pink coloration in the hood, that's actually light coming through the hood. So, and forgive my dirty glass, that's all spit from her. But, I mean, it's such a light, light color of yellow that it's it's that pale, pale lemonade, almost white. How often do they do they play dead for you a lot? I have never had one play dead in captivity. Uh, which which is honestly a terrifying thing because... Um, the moment they, of, the split second of heartbreak? Well, you know, well, it's, I've had them pass away and I have to wait a good while to make sure they're dead and not just playing, mm. you know? So this is a cool, this is a slow motion of it spitting at me. Boom. <laughs> Timber. Timber. And they, they throw their body just, oh, just such ferocity, you know? And her sole goal is to make me go away. There's the venom she just spat. So I'll let that play one more time. Oof. She's so impressive. And her boyfriend is by far the best looking snake in the collection. But, <laughs> but I can't get a picture of him to save my life. <laughs> yeah, Billy, she did put everything into that. So Austin wants to know if playing dead is a standard practice for that species. Uh, it is 100%. So uh, the Rinkals has uh, multiple modes of defense. The first mode is flee. Uh, they will haul ass. Obviously, because they're short and stout, they don't fly like a racer. They also have keeled scales. So that makes it rather difficult for them to slide through uh, vegetation rapidly. Yeah, way more friction. Um, they growl like a king cobra. 
However, because they're not, you know, 10, 13 foot long, it's nowhere near as ominous. But if you were walking through the bush and you started to hear that growl, you would be like, what is that? It, it almost sounds like, a, a, I mean, there's, I really can't emulate it, but it's like a deep purring sound. It's like, a, imagine a cat purring but with, hear with the whistle of a cobra. I can't do it. I try. I want to hear it. It's like a, it's like a, like it's super low, super low. But with a with that of the cobra, you know. Um, so that's their first thing is to make that noise, to flee, make that noise, and then if you're if they're provoked in the wild, they almost always play dead, um, which is really bad for children and dogs and people that are living in you know rural areas because a child or a dog sees it it plays dead and they go oh my god the snake's dead look a dead snake they pick it up and the minute they pick that snake up bam, latches onto it um and then they're they're infamous for that they know exactly when to just turn and hit um and then obviously the last resort is to stand up and, and spray um the standing up is very unique because so many African cobras stand up, right? But none of them stand up as tall and as gracefully in comparison to their body size as the wrinkles. Just that girl, I had I had a picture of her standing super tall, uh, almost like 22 inches up. I measured the cage. Um, let me see if I can find it. But yeah, they will stand very, very tall and have that broad hood and then they blast you with venom. Um, but what's interesting is wrinkles don't have any upper mandibles at all. Uh, the only teeth that are up there are the fangs and the fangs are not uh, hypodermic like a cobra. They're not, they're not slotted like a traditional spinning cobra, like a Mozambique spitter or a red spitter, or even some of the Asian spitters, they're grooved like a Gila monster. So what they're doing is they'll rear back and they'll, breathe out real hard and they'll throw as much venom as they can. And it doesn't come out like a shotgun blast. Like they say, it still comes out in two streams, but because it is losing velocity as it flies towards its target, the, the particles start to separate. Right. And that's, what's causing that almost shotgun blast. Um, there's actually a great, uh, high speed video thing the BBC did a few years back. The problem is I, I don't agree with their study at all. Their study is just flawed in a lot of ways, but you know, I'm not a scientist. Who am I to say that? Uh, but if you want to watch some high speed footage, it's an awesome video. Um, is that the one they did with the plastic, like the sheet target with the two white dots as eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a paper plate with two dots. Like, come on. Man. That's, that's, <laughs> Science. That's not, that's not yeah, science. Exactly. Oh, it spits for the eyes. No, they use the expensive China yeah. plates. Oh, thank you very much. Right, right, right. I can't find this picture. Whatever. But, uh, but yeah, they they have all these amazing attributes, and they're incredibly intelligent. Uh, they're com completely diurnal. Uh, the only time that they're awake at night is when I'm rummaging around in there. I'm pretty sure they can feel the pressure break in the room when I open the door. Um, cause I'll walk in and I'll, I'll hit them with a flashlight and they're just like this, just asleep. And then the minute I start to walk around, me alone. yeah, it, it, <laughs> the minute I start to walk around, you'll hear the, like that, that growl. And then you'll start to hear like some of the newspaper start to crinkle. And then all of a sudden you'll, you'll hear this, you'll hear. 
and that's all the little heads hitting the hitting the tubs. <laughs> so, if I get my hands on you, I'll kill you. Yeah, exactly right. I posted that, that that video today of me pulling the big girl out of the trash can, and like I wanted to get so much more video, but it just it wasn't safe, and it was too much stress on her. So I literally just like picked her up and just put her in the cage, and I was like, "That's good enough video for today." So, mm. but again, I'm so enamored with these snakes that I, I got off track. A, a big departure. The concept of the project is, I want to learn everything I can about them. I want to learn everything I can about them. I want to work with them. I want to learn how they move, how they think, how they feed, how they breed. I do want to produce them, um, but I don't want to produce them in excess or like, I'm not going to pair all of them this year. I'm not going to pair all of them next year because it is such a niche animal. They're rather expensive. And uh, I don't How big are clutches? So they're live bearing, which is pretty awesome. You're looking at about a seven-month gestation period, uh, but it depends on the locality. So yeah. the more southeast you go, the higher the litter, from what I gather. That they're smaller. No, the bigger litter count, but smaller babies. No, just more no? babies. Oh, yeah, wow. mm -hmm. there are some. Uh, so, for example, okay, uh, in southeastern KwaZulu Natal, uh, I think they have the record. I think it was like sixty babies. What? Something like that, 60, maybe 55, something like that. Uh, the average is, I think, 12 to 20 for the majority of uh, Central South Africa. So like Khoteng Province, Eastern Cape, uh, Limpopo, Southern Swaziland, Southern Transvaal. Um, but then there's a small pocket of them in Southeastern Zimbabwe. Those animals only have like six or seven babies. But I don't know anyone over there who has ever seen them breed or has bred them. So I don't know if those are bigger babies, if they're smaller babies. Right. Um, and uh, But yeah, this is all part of the learning thing. So like, if I do breed them and I produce them and I make a couple bucks, sure, rock and roll. If I just produce them and give them away to, to Venom Labs, rock and roll on that too. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll help fund research and for you know cancer drugs and anti-venom and whatever else. But I just want to learn everything I can about the species. So to coincide with them you'll notice I, I have those two main big visions i actually have another vision that i'm going to prep and do so i'm going to have three wrinkles displays and i'm doing them different with the live grass and the fake rock and all that so mm -hmm. those what are they what's the the antivenom they use for those is it a polyvalent with everything else so there is a polyvalent um from what I've gathered, there have been cases of people using non-Rinkal specific antivenin that was from polyvalent and it worked. Mm -hmm. However, the only antivenin prescribed, so to speak, for Rinkal's envenomation is Samar. So that's the South African polyvalent. And that does uh, Black Mamba, Green Mamba, Mozambique Spitting Cobra, Cape Cobra, Gaboon Viper Puff Adder, um, Rinkals, um, like two or three other bitis. Uh, what else to do? I think that's about it. Yeah, but that's and that's produced by uh, the South African vaccine producers, SAVP, mm -hmm. um, and they offer it as an individual vac. It's an individual vaccine, and they offer a vaccine kit which has like multiple doses with the applicator. So if you had to do like a straight push, you could. Yeah. Um, a lot of like the field biologists and stuff, they'll buy those kits. Because remember over there, it's all over the counter, you know? Right. 
Um, so I do plan on getting some of that eventually, but it is a more mild elapid, if you want to call it that. It's almost exclusively cytotoxic. Mm-hmm. So I, as, uh, Johan was saying something on a video he made where it's like no one's died. No one, no one has ever died in like 40 years from motor cause bite. But then again, we have antivenin. They have antivenin. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that plays a huge factor in modern medicine. Um, but again, I'm not playing with them at all. In fact, most of my animals are not even long enough to really tail. So everything is single or double hooks. And I just stay on my toes about it. But I do plan on getting some as soon as Henry and I finish off the paperwork. How dare you be smart with venomous? Yeah, I know, right? What a freak. I know. I know. And I'm overly, overly cautious about the spitting. Um, I <laughs> You got the freaking, like, motorcycle uh, helmet. <laughs> face shield. Well, I mean, for those of you who I love don't. It. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, I have been spat in the eyes by an Asian cobra. I've been and a homeless man in the camera. Naj- oh, shut up. Uh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> uh, by an Asian species, a Naja siamensis, which is the Indo-Chinese or the you know Thai black and white spitter. Um, and I was wearing safety glasses. And uh, safety glasses failed miserably. Wasn't that safe? Yeah. And uh, I wasn't even handling the animal. That's the best part. Mm-hmm. I was supervising someone else handle the animal. Thirty yards across the building. Oh, what the hell! No, it was. It was honestly. It was. It was about three ricochet. Steps. It was about three yards. It, it was about nine, ten feet away, and it got me. And uh, that was arguably one of the most excruciating things in my life. And I vowed to never have that happen ever so, again. Like police should start swabbing out their OC spray for something like that, and it would be more effective. Uh, yeah, but it's not as, uh, hey, he lives, he lives, I made it. you made it. We're just talking about venom in the eye. Not good. Not good. Don't recommend it. So real quick, before Billy tells us about his amazing projects he has going on, uh, imagine this, imagine taking a lit cigarette, Right. And just rolling it straight in your pupil. That's what it feels like. And when you wash your eye out with water, it doesn't really do anything. All it's doing is dispersing the particles and dispersing the the enzymes and the proteins and the venom. And it's making it worse. So you can flush your eyes out till the cows come home. You will get a lot of it out, but you're still going to suffer. Um, It also tends to crystallize underneath the eyelid which makes your eyes itch. So you constantly want to rub your eye and all you're doing is rubbing in the venom. Rubbing it into your brain. Right. Uh, what actually uh, works like a million bucks is cow's milk or goat's milk. The proteins in the milk neutralize the enzymes enzymes in the venom. It actually turns the venom off. That's what and Steve that, Irwin did. Is that what he did? I don't remember that. Yeah. He rubbed, he was putting milk, like, I guess the, the it was a red spitter. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, Whichever I forget the tribe that wears all the red. Uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, you know." They gave him some water, but then they were like, "Here, use milk." And he was—it's probably worse than the actual venom itself. He was like putting his hand in like this gross bowl, like raw milk. <laughs> like get it like yeah. separated, like skim milk. It was just. Ugh. It, ugh. I was like, I take my chances with the freaking venom, man. Like, Oof. was it Masai, tri- Masai tribe? Yeah, in Kenya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I'll tell you right now. 
nobody ever warns you. They say, oh, that's instant relief with the milk. It is legitimately instant relief. It takes a while for it to totally turn off, but it is phenomenally instant relief. But they don't tell you about the milk being cold and your eye shriveling up like a raisin. Oh, horrible, horrible experience. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Way better than the venom. But I will say this too, it is really creepy because the milk permeates itself into your uh, tear ducts. So you weep white for like another four or five hours. Yeah. So it's a wild ride. Don't do it. Wear a face mask. Don't just wear glasses. Wear gloves and a long sleeve shirt if you can. Remember this, Billy. Billy Hunt. What's going on, Billy? Welcome to the show. Yeah, happy I can make it in time. Yeah, man. It was a pleasant surprise. So we're talking about projects and goals that we have for ourselves and hearing about other people's as well. So you have more projects and more goals, bona fide projects and legitimate goals than honestly anyone I know. Break it down even further than that. We're talking about how you remain focused on a particular project. Good, good. And goal. And we figure who better to talk to about it than you because you've got so many. I mean, we've all got a lot, but you've got a lot. I got a couple. So it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you keep it within the 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 threshold to where it's it's all like you're still focused on it, you're still into it. How do you juggle it all? So, I guess I go with carpets. Uh, that's the easiest thing. Is I have a look that I want to try to to make, um, or that I want to reproduce. Then I, I mean, our, our tastes change, you know, as we keep, you know, like I've definitely, like I bred, uh, for anyone who follows me and pays attention to any of my animals, I, I did a pairing of river in Trinidad this year. That was uh, river is my really light blue, gray striped coastal. Uh, and I have one of her offspring from a couple years ago that has her same color. Uh, so that light blue steel gray color. Uh, he has some striping. He's not as striped as her, but some striping. And I basically just wanted to make, I wanted to make river better. That's my goal for that project. Uh, well, I finally got to breed them this year and I got what I was looking for out of a couple snakes. Uh, Phil's seen them in person. I also, yeah. I was really lucky and I hit some some good ratio odds and I hatched out these two snakes that happened to be a male-female pair that even added the egg when they pipped and they had, uh, all I could see was their heads. They had like a lighter, lighter head, more, their pattern was more wacky. Uh, I don't want to say a spider type pattern because I, I feel like that kind of, you know, that kind of gives a negative connotation of something. Uh, but it has a more wiry pattern to it instead of a stripe pattern. Uh, so in me being focused on producing crazy stripes, which anyone that focuses on me and at any point knows that stripes are what that's what gets me going. Lord of the uh, stripes. 
yeah, I, I know what I like and I stick to it. Uh, but with that, I'm also open to, you know, projects branching off of that, which when I hatched out those two snakes, it kind of made me say, oh, crap. Okay, this is two pairs of snakes that I want to see where they can go. They have the same phenotype. Why not see how, why are we, I can get that. Am I going to breed them together? Is it going to get more organized? Is it going to get more wacky? Is it going to, who knows? But that's the fun in breeding, especially with carpets and polygenic trait. You know, I'm not just breeding a zebra to a jungle and I know, oh, I'm just going to get some zebras. I'll get some normals. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, I guess to backtrack from that, the main goal is obviously to make stripes. I've just been really good at whenever I pick something like a project to work on, I want to be, I just, I want to hit what I want to hit, you know, and my tastes haven't changed too much. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. I have, I don't have every subspecies of carpet, but I have a, a good amount of them. And just about every single subspecies, I have some type of striped project. Uh, I have striped IJs. I have striped jungles. Uh, obviously, multiple coastals. Um, I have every line of coastal. If you recognize that, or if you just think everything's a stripe or a tiger, it's, there's different camps for that now. Uh, maybe the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Billy, there, you'll see some novas, buddy. Um, it's actually funny. I I go into. I breed my Novas. I had two pairs of that. And uh, I ended up getting some animals that had some markers for striping that, you know, lo and behold, okay, I'm going to try to focus on striping in those too. Um, so it's easy for me with a project because I like stripes and that's, I want everything to be as striped as a, a really nice Balin tiger. Um, I've also wondered what is after that? You know, like we've bred, you know, Balin is bred perfect stripes. They have a, a real thick dorsal stripe, you know, perfect lateral stripes and, you know, okay. And he's even said, yeah, I won't repeat that pairing or whatever. I remember seeing that years ago. Well, what happens after that? Is that as best as we can get? Can we go further than that? Can we add stripes? Can we take away stripes? Uh, I have an animal that I hatched that the last fourth of its body, the lateral stripes completely disappear where it almost looks like a jag, but there's no jag in the pairing, you know, it, and it's a perfect dorsal stripe and perfect, perfect lateral stripes until that point, you know, is that a, oh, because it, it was a twin. So who knows if it's had something to do with that in the incubation process, or is it something that's reproducible, you know? so. I just kind of want to see how far I can take the the stripe project too. I know Burke has some ideas. Um, I won't put all his stuff out on air, but you know he has some ideas where we can take it. I have my ideas where we can take it. Uh, so it's long story short, it's easy for me to to stay focused because that's what I like, you know. And if you work with what you like, you'll you'll stick with the project, you know. Yeah. Like my uh. My striped jungles are a really good example. I started with a really nice striped animal and a kind of striped animal, you know, just kind of seeing what can happen. I'm already in the second generation right now. And holy crap, I've sent you guys pictures. 
you know, you guys have seen the holdbacks I'm keeping that I'm not really, uh, you know, freaking unreal. Yeah. And that's just two generations into, you know, just selectively breeding for that phenotype. Like within two, three, three generations, you should be able to hit whatever phenotype you're aiming for. If you focus and you really look at, uh, things that you're trying to focus on, uh, as far as that stripe, you know, if, if it's a stripe or if it's a, let's say it's banding or let's say it's, you know, chaotic pattern or color or whatever. Um, so I'm really excited to see where I can take, you know, those animals that I'm keeping back and further that line and see, you know, is it going to, will the tipping go away? Will the tipping get, you know, more prevalent? Will it do whatever? Uh, so that's, that's what I'm doing. Now, obviously every project that I work with isn't striped. Uh, you know, I have my morph stuff. That's more instant gratification type of stuff, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, that's a, an easy way for people to get, you know, kind of stay engaged with a project. I think a lot of people abandon projects. Striped jungles are a perfect example where why don't we see perfectly striped jungles in the state? Yeah. You know, we've seen, we have these perfect banded, you know, velvet black, neon yellow, no tipping animals in the state. But we don't have that with stripes, and they've been around for how long? I, don't know. I think those took a backseat to the ivories and the zebras, and people were just well, preoccupied with other stuff. Well, Nick's the only one that focused on the ivories. He's if he wasn't doing those, those wouldn't be anywhere near what they are. That's true. Uh, but I do think Jag t- had a big part mm-hmm. in uh, zebras, like you said, absolutely, uh, because people want instant gratification. I mean, and when zebras first came on the scene, I remember seeing zebras at a local show for 2500 bucks. Why would anybody focus on a, you know, a polygenic striped jungle that you might get a quarter of that for, you know, like I yeah. get it from a business standpoint. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it's, are you in it for the, the business standpoint? Are you in it because you just enjoy the animals and you want to see what you can do with genetically and, and all that. I mean, it's, it's well documented that striping and carpets is, uh, polygenic and there's multiple genes at play and you know there's a lot of different ways you can go about it uh, you know I know some guys right now that they have projects that they're working on that just through let's say tiger coastals there's so many different looks that pop out that we're going to end up having you know four or five six different looks of tiger coastals if those individuals will stick with those projects you know, you guys have seen my Petersons. Those are, those have a distinct look. Very, you know, very unique. Like just in, just in the little group I have, you know, I have a 2.2 group right now. I have ones that have super clean dorsal stripes. And then I have a pair that have, you know, the thick dorsal stripe with a, a lot of muddy, speckling, dirty, whatever you want to call it on it. Right there. That's two different avenues. You can take that, that project. Um, so I think it just depends on focus, depends on what your end goal is, depends on how long you want to put into the stuff. Um, I've always been of the opinion that when I, it's not that I do it for like fame or anything like that, but when you look at the people that have been in the hobby a long time, like Jason Balin's a, a perfect example. He's been doing it how long? He got that project 
so long ago. He's still producing tigers, and they're just absolutely incredible. I'm getting one of his animals uh, later this week that was a leftover in one of his clutches, if I'm honest. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, I had I have two animals left. Which one do you want? And you guys have seen that animal. It is insane. 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 Absolutely insane. So it, make, it makes you wonder what the holdbacks look like. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I see that. And like my Nova, my Nova Guinea, you know, like Phil, you know, you know, I've told you all about my ideas with those. I want to try to get stripes. Yep. Um, I want to eventually try to work on that figure eight type of pattern with them. Cause I've talked yeah. to all the guys that work with the Nova guineas and they've all been straight up with me and said, Hey, we, we just bred them. <laughs> we never yeah. really focused on anything and their carpets. You can yeah. selectively breed for whatever you want. So I'm keeping back a trio that I think are going to be uh, really detrimental to seeing if we can hone in, especially the striping, you know, in them uh, uh, and not just dorsal stripes. I'm keeping back stuff that has, more than anything, you know, lateral stripes, because that's a big marker for animals that are going to throw stripes too. Yeah. Um, you know, think of when, I think you start to get an eye for things when you breed, let's say you breed a tiger to a non-tiger animal. And you'll see animals that have, you know, maybe they have a couple of the portholes that are connected. They have three or four portholes connected on their side, you know, on the lateral aspect of their body. That animal has a higher chance of, producing striped animal now they're not going to be perfectly striped you know it's a it's a process you know it's a long it's a foundation process. exactly yeah so i guess my long rambling nonsense goes to if you like to stick with the project like stick with it you know if you don't get exactly what you're looking for the first generation most projects that are worth sticking with you know like the balen tiger stuff like the first balen tigers shameless plug here we have you know pictures of those in the magazine like go look at how those look and look at how they look now you know like very different yeah you know and it it took time it took you know it took years it's okay to work with a project and it not give you instant gratification you know but i think with the hobby that works with so many you know, recessive morphs, incomplete dominance and dominant stuff that is you, you see in the first generation or you see in the second generation. It seems like people, some people, not all, that's not fair to say all, but some people shy away from those long-term projects. And the best projects are the ones that people take the time and put the time in. You know, if, if you're going to be in the hobby 10 years, why not take those 10 years to work on a polygenic trait if that's what you like? You know, right. There's no better feeling than breeding for something and seeing a baby pop out. You know, like when I bred River to Trinidad, when I saw this, this one male that is exactly what I was looking for in that first generation, when I saw that animal pop out, it made it all worth it. And I've had, I've had River for, was it 21? I've had her for five years. You know, like I, and that was my third time breeding her. And, finally getting that animal that I was looking for out of her was just, it was so rewarding, you know, like I wish everybody would strive for that because you, you can take your projects to the next level. Even if you have more projects, you know, like let's say you do, like we said, zebra jungle, 
zebras aren't all created the same. There's so much variability, you know, like this. Yeah. Uh, Dude, they're, they're try to have a better eye for it. Right. I mean, and that's the thing that I think is great. It's like there's zebras that look like zebras and then there's zebras that look like freaking neon green kaleidoscopes, you know? Yeah, exactly. And just it, like you said, honing in on what you like honing in on, on on what makes you happy and i think as much as i love hearing billy talk about his his end game goals with the breeding and stuff at the end of the day i don't want to speak for billy but at the end of the day he just loves carbon pythons so i mean as frustrating as it may be if he didn't produce anything he would still be stoked to even just own them yeah it's yeah i just I like what I have and if I can capitalize on making them look better in my eyes, like I know for a fact, uh, Daytona's this weekend. I know for a fact I will have people come to my table whether they say it or not, they're going to see what I have some animals priced at and they're going to kind of shake their head, but that's what I'm looking for. So that's what I value more. You know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those things where, Everybody has different tastes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Christian, um, I don't know. Warwick brings up a good to, point with the Brisbans. Yeah, you know, like okay. those traditionally have issues like with fertility, right? Is that, yeah. So like so, outcrossing those into say, something else, like I can't really say I blame somebody for wanting to do that because it's like clearly we're sort of hitting a ceiling with with Brisbans and and producing more of them in terms of like quote unquote purity. Uh, but it's like, that's exactly what I would want to tie into with Brisbane's is some sort of tiger, or, you know, stripe or something like that. Cause they already sort of fit that. They fall in line with that sort of phenotype anyways. Some do. Um, but our locality projects that we have, uh, it's only a matter of time till we have to outcross. Yeah. You know, like I, I know some talk. people, do, yeah, some people don't believe in, uh, in breeding depression. I've heard people say that. Uh, I personally do. Um, I've seen it a little bit in my stuff that I know has been, you know, bred together for generations and generations. Uh, I know guys that are using Brisbane's because of their color to outcross red coastal stuff, uh, which I think is a absolute, yeah. yeah, that is a fantastic way to add new blood but you're not compromising on the color that you're looking for too because a lot of times when you outcross stuff you're compromising something for that generation and you kind of have to restart i think people shy away from that too like my stripe jungles i'm gonna have to outcross them eventually unless i find a badass stripe jungle which i mean they're they're there you know if you find somebody that'll sell them you know mm -hmm. what i mean but more than likely I'll have to use a banded animal and then I'm kind of, you know, taking a step back. You start from scratch. Possibly, you know, possibly yeah. it all depends. Uh, you know, but that's just something you have to do. I think like what Austin was saying, I think that people kind of poo pooing on the crossing locality animals. Why? You know, it's a bloodline. That's all it is. It's just a bloodline. Yeah, would right. it be it's awesome starting to have problems. Them? Yeah, you know, there's there are fertility issues with the like, whether people are admitting it or not. Look at, just do a quick search and look at all the 
the Brisbane Coastal clutches that you've seen. Some are perfect, but there's a good amount that you'll find where there's a lot of infertiles. There's a lot of, uh, you know, eggs that don't make it or animals that just don't go. You know, that that's just one of those things. So, yeah, it's just to a point where you have to outcross stuff. It's just, it is what it is. I don't think people should shy away from it. I know there's been posts and threads and stuff that have said, uh, you know, oh, oh, don't do that. Or if you, you do that, don't say that they're whatever locality they are. Cause once you cross it, it's not that locality. And it's a blood at the end of the day, it's a bloodline. So why not say what bloodline that is? You know, if I breed a Brisbane to a Balin tiger, I'm going to call it a, a Balin tiger, Brisbane coastal python, right. coastal carpet python. You know, I'm going to say exactly what it is. So whoever buys it knows what it is. Now, if that person, let's say I sell it to Justin and now Justin decides, Hey, I'm just going to call it a Brisbane. I have no control over that. None of us yeah. do. And that seems to be the worry with everybody. And I get it. I understand it. I don't agree with it, but you can't control what other people do. You know, like yeah. all you can do is what you do. So yeah. like Austin says there, he's had five slug clutches with his. That is absolutely frustrating. Uh, you know, and is that because of inbreeding depression? Is that because we've only had, you know, a pair or trio that all of our stock in the States is coming from? I, I don't know the history behind that line specifically, you know, but I guarantee you, if you outcross it, you wouldn't get a full slug clutch just because of how genetics work, you know, or I could be wrong and it could just be something with those snakes, but I would bet my money that that would work. Yeah. You know, so I kind of started ranting guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> what about, uh, uh, what about the other stuff? Like, so you have, you have projects that are bona fide breeding goals with your carpets and with a lot of the Australasian stuff. Mm -hmm. What about some of the stuff like the, the rhino rats and the Pacillanotus? And like, let's, let's dive into that too. Like Justin yeah. and I were talking about earlier how, you know, we have what we like, but we also, all three of us have extremely diverse collections, whether it be colubrids or, or Australasian pythons, you know, or North American stuff, whatever. How do you, how do you look at what you have and why you have it? So a lot of the stuff I have is because selfishly, it's what I like. And I, I wish it was deeper than that. Uh, like you guys know, I absolutely love, uh, at least Phil, there he is. Oh, there we go. We're here. Nope, we're here. We're here. So. I absolutely adore beauty snakes, right? So I have my Chinese beauty snakes. I have my Taiwans. Mm -hmm. I have my blues. I have my, uh, do I have more than that? Ridley eye. Oh, how do I forget this? I have the Ridley eye, you know? Um, Can't forget about the Ridley eye. So, dude, I keep forgetting about the Ridley eye. Uh, so as far as like goals for those, the blues, I like to hear, uh, or not hear, I like to focus on color with those. Phil, you've seen my male just as a hatchling and yearling. That guy is insane. Insane. His blue, his blue is, sorry, Michael. His, his blue is super dark. He just has 
that perfect look that I've always looked for. And I'm very picky with my blue beauties because I want one, they're big snakes. So it's not like you can have a, a group of 20 of them and, and not take up a lot of room. Right. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, the Ridley eye. I honestly just want to produce those. I, I, I hate saying I don't have a goal with stuff, but I really just want to produce them. Yeah. I want to make the nice colored ones and all that, but, at the same time, they're just amazing animals. Like my male looks more stereotypical uh, Cameroon Highlands animal where he has the bright colors, the bright orange, the bright blue head, all that. Right. To where my female was sold to me as the same thing, but she has more of your stereotypical Malaysian look where mm -hmm. uh, she's a little more muted, you know? So I'm curious to see what the babies would turn out out of those, but I mean, unless you're messing with color and stuff, there's not too much you can do with those, honestly, besides yeah. making them brighter or duller. Uh, yeah, because I mean, there's, there's patterning, but I feel like the patterning that, that that's there, shy of making it more bold or more crisp, you wouldn't want to really mess with it. I feel like it's so unique and indicative of them, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'm actually I'm trying to find a picture of your Blue Beauty right now as we speak. You're just grabbing it out. <laughs> well, I'm grabbing a Taiwan. Okay, cool. Oh, so, yeah. Look at that animal. She's, so she's in shed. She doesn't look great. So you see all these, especially by her neck. And this is something that I was talking to the Zirkles about. So you see how she just has all these black blotches? Right. That's all it is, black blotches. Now, when you get further... Further down the line. Is it show and tell time? Oh, yeah. A little bit. Well, it's not Billy on Snakes and Stogies if he doesn't show something. So <laughs> she doesn't have too much of it. But one thing in the Zirkle, here we go. You see how there's white in those diamonds on the on her, mm -hmm. her lateral part? Yeah. There. So I've seen animals that they have the white in these black blotches by their neck. Almost like Almost. a rainbow bow. Almost, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, her back. See Phil's yeah. tattoo for reference. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like when I first got my first ones from uh, the Zirkles, which actually that's where that female came from, uh, Amy, that's what she said that Rob looks for in holdback is that they want to try to exacerbate that white in those diamonds as far up close to the head as they can. So that kind of made me think, oh man, there's more to this than just Taiwan's to Taiwan, mm -hmm. you know, because they're always just kind of all the Asian rat stuff is, I mean, we joke about it, but they kind of say, oh, it's just Cobra food cares, you know, it's freedom. It is what it is. Nobody right. really cares. Where's Henry? But well, he's, there's he's also stuff somewhere. that you can yeah, you know, there's there's stuff that you can, you know, breed for. So that's something I'll look for, um, you know, especially color uh, like that. Bill, you've seen the one I have downstairs. Uh, his color Dude, is amazing. Crazy. If I could get that color on that female animal, I'd be happy as could be. And, and it just goes to show you, like, how I love Taiwan beauty. I think they're they're probably my favorite next to the Ridley eye, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't to do much me, 
Well, that's whatever. Well, they don't like calicos are nice. I like the calicos. Yeah, calico is pretty cool. But this, to me, I personally would rather have those jet black dots the entire length of the body. And you know how the tail gets almost banded, almost like a baby king cobra? Yeah. I would want to have dots the entire way down. Like, that's just me. Like, the same way that you want to reduce the dots, mm-hmm. I want to increase the dots. And that I think that just goes back to what we were just talking about of, like, finding the direction you want to go with it and just augmenting it. But Sorry, go yeah. on. No, no, that's, that's a really good example because you and me, Phil, we, we, uh, we differ on what we prefer. You know, like, at the very basic part of it, I like stripes, you like bands. Yeah. You don't dislike stripes. I don't no. dislike bands, but our preference is that. Same thing with the Taiwans there. That's why I got those uh, Texas rats downstairs because they have those diamonds and they have whites in them. And that I've started affectionately calling them American beauties. Uh, <laughs> you know, just why not? Because that's what Pretty it reminds good. me of. Yeah. That was why I, you know, that's why I like them. We need to do a photo shoot of those snakes in a bathtub full of rose petals. You can do same, that. Same font and everything. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Literally the same movie poster, just swap. We gotta put them picture. on a bed. Let's just go all yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love we'll get Kevin Spacey in the background looking all creepy. Yeah, poor guy. He can't help it. Um, all right. So then the, the Chinese beauties, I have Calico Hit Hypo and Hypo Calico. That's my pair. Uh, there's not much I can do as far as that. It's just what the mutation's gonna do. Some will be calicos, which I personally prefer the calico look more than the hypo calico. Uh, they're both amazing. I just I like stuff that has a lot of chaotic, weird patterning to it. Uh, when you get the calicos and the Chinese beauties, they're they don't have any of the stereotypical beauty snake markings. You know, there's no striped tail, there's no banding, there's no diamonds, there's no eye stripe, there's no any of that. It's just, it's just a giant palmetto corn. It is. <laughs> it's so insulting. <laughs> so I was at Tinley. Little side story. I was at Tinley in 2019, and that was where I met uh, Joe for the first time. And we were at Larry Keller's table, who is uh, very big into the calico Chinese beauties. And I tried to sell <laughs> Joe on the fact that calico. Chinese beauties are actually a lot cooler and look better than palmetto corns because in my personal opinion, they do. Do they look similar? I agree. Yes. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yes. I, but that's just my personal opinion. I understand why beauties aren't for everybody. Why would you, some people, why would you get a, a beauty when that can be high strung and a little bigger, or you can get a corn snake. That's a corn snake. You know, I, I understand that. Uh, you know, it just it goes. It, if you guys aren't seeing the the reoccurring theme, it's all on what you prefer. There's no formula for this stuff. You know, I could say every example I've given, I could give the exact opposite opinion on it and still have the same message. You know, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of the other uh, projects I have. Well, the Maclots. Don't say Maclots, please. Um, the Maclots are uh, for the love of God. They're the actually Maclots. for the love of God. Uh, the Maclots <laughs> have a lot more variability than people give them credit for. You know, yeah. 
Um, all I have right now are Timor locale animals, which are the most common in the hobby. But even um, your Timor locale I, are vastly different in appearance. I mean, they all sim they all have the similar yeah. modeling to them, but they're each animal is yeah. totally different. Yeah, I have some that are light brown with dark freckles. I have some that are dark with light brown freckles. I have some that are heavily freckled, some that are less freckled. There's so many different ways you can go through that look and hone in what you wanted to. You know, like uh, there's even one that uh, Jeff has, uh, Jeff and Kendra. I was a week away from nabbing that thing and they got it before me. Uh, it actually looks like it has an organized stripe down its back, if that makes sense, which obviously, you know, Billy's all about that. But there's so, I think if, if you just have an eye to look for something, and maybe it's not so much you're looking for something that isn't there. I think it just comes with experience. Uh, you know, cause I, I hate, I hate using the dinker ball python analogy, you know, where everything is something. but there's also maybe a little something to that, but I, I look at it more from a polygenic standpoint where, okay, I see a look that I like. Let me breed this thing for two, three, four generations and see if I can replicate that look, you know? Uh, and that goes with everything, whether it's the beauties or the, the carpets or the Mac lots or shit, even green trees, you know, Smitty, you know a lot about the, the green tree stuff, you know, like, how many generations can you go in and you start to consistently get the look that you're looking for if you, you know, use the right animals? The same mentality. You can do that with anything. You can even do that with mutations. You know, just just because of, let's say, exanthic. Just because an exanthic carpet is an exanthic carpet doesn't mean that every exanthic carpet is going to be the same because there's that variability within them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think. Like I, I see this a lot at local shows. Um, not to ping on them, I just it's something I've I've noticed on is that someone will want a, a ball python mutation, not to harp on the ball python stuff. There's just more of them, so more examples. Sure. They they say, Hey, I want a black pastel yellow belly. So they go, they walk around the show and they they buy a, the cheapest black pastel yellow belly. Because, you know, they're trying to sell high. That's a common business thing, right? Well, not everyone is created the same. You know, like, there's people. Uh, Tom, I've said this example a couple times, so sorry if I'm repeating myself. But uh, Tom, I want to say Bernhardt or Barnhart, but sorry if I'm butchering his name. He is well known for his line of black pastel yellow bellies that are leaps and bounds ahead of most other people that are doing them because he took the time to selectively breed within the mutation together to where his animals have a specific look now that are absolutely incredible you know and i think if if people were more selective about what they were putting together you would see a lot more of that and we are starting to see a lot more of that because we're starting to see a lot more crazy stuff pop out that isn't just four, five, six, seven, eight mutations in one snake. You know, no matter what uh, what species it is. You know, like, Justin, look at some of those corns that you're getting into. You know, holy crap. 
<laughs> like those things are insane. It's getting Absolutely. hard to keep up with all of it. Yeah, there's a lot, but especially well, it's like when you get animals that have four or five different things going on, and then multiple heads behind them as well. That's when it's like, what are these even going to be when I pair them up with something else with five other genes? You know, it's just it's almost ridiculous. Well, like, you got some. Uh, forgive me if I if I don't get it completely right. But you have like some caramel stuff, right, or honey stuff, or honey. Which so you have some honey caramel stuff. and sun kissed makes honey. So. But if you just take a random caramel and a random sun kiss and put it together, that doesn't mean you're going to get animals that look like yours. You know, like from my understanding, right, the there's going to be got, small tweaks. Well, the ones that you got are descendant from Miami lineage, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that male, well, that male honey tessera, yeah. Yeah, so that plays a factor into it. You know, like there's. There's more to it than just let me take mm -hmm. this gene, this gene, random, put them together and see, oh, I got this amazing animal. No, there's a lot more thought that goes into it. So, uh, you know, it's just food for thought that when you're looking into a project and, uh, you know, long term and all that, is it something you're just trying to turn and burn? Or is it something that you really want to see the, you know, the fruits of your labor through? Let's be realistic, you know, eight, ten years from now. You know, that's, that's how I look at it. When I look at something like I'm looking at stuff years down the road, like, okay. That's what I, I was saying when we started was like, be prepared <laughs> to look long, long term. You know, mm -hmm. like I said, a decade, I think is where I said like the minimum almost would be where you really see concrete results from, from something at that point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The, the Balin tigers are a really good example for me because Jason's been working with those forever. Uh, the Madame Blueberry Red Coastal stuff, um, especially the stuff that Eric Hernandez has. I mean, that just speaks for itself. The M Pen Rose, uh, the M Pen yeah. Red Coastal stuff. That all stems back from an animal he randomly bought at a reptile show back in '05, and he has selectively bred since then to get these amazing animals that we have now. You know, he put in the time. It's what. 15 years later and it shows you you put in the time you'll get the the reward you know as long as you know what you're looking for and you're reading for that specific phenotype and stuff yeah well um, i mean even the corn that phil showed earlier like the belly having all that going <coughs> on like there might be something there yeah you know, just like you were saying not really splitting hairs but when you watch sarah's videos on her youtube channel about these she does morph deep dives Mm -hmm. So she talks about these individual morphs or like maybe this group, like aim, the AML group, which has a handful of different things going on in it. Um, like the belly patterning and stuff is something that plays into some of these morphs and like helps identify some of them. So I'm like, I'm like it's good you're hanging on to that female because there may very well be something interesting going on there. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is like, I'm, I'm eager to just get another male Miami, but if if I can evaluate the animal and say, you know what, this looks too normal, I'm not going to keep it. You know, no. I'll, I'll hold out for one that fits her motif best. You know, and let's be real. I've, I, like I said before, I found Miami face stuff as high up as North Palm Beach, and then I've found stuff down like, you know, and down in Homestead and stuff. And it's still Miami phase, but it ne isn't necessarily from Dade County. It's that Miami this, phenotype. It's that Miami phenotype, right? Yeah. And the same way, I found normal corns in Miami Beach, like 
it's fucking Miami, but it doesn't look like it's supposed to, you know? So choosing the right path in that regard is something that I really want to focus on, even though I had no aspirations of doing chord snakes at all. It kind of just fell into my lap. But I was going to touch base on real quick. Uh, dude, blood pythons. So I am not going to get into blood pythons at all. I messed around with them in the past. I think they're awesome. They're one of my favorite pythons. But just sitting back over the past decade and watching, like, just choosing Goldeneye, for example, because that's probably my favorite morph, and just watching people line breed Goldeneyes to get reduced pattern or more black or more bullseyes or whatever you're looking for. And now, because more people are doing it, the price is becoming drastically more attainable to the point where I'm even like, man, I could, I could, I could have one of those, you know, but I'm, I'm not going to. But that just goes back to what Billy was saying about, you know, at, getting the desired phenotype and expanding upon it. So when I get into, or when I go into a project, I have a, I guess at this point, I have, like you guys were saying, I have, I have a couple projects, right? A few. I have a few. So. All joking aside, how many do you think you have on the top of your head? 12? 15? All right. You went in and out. I didn't hear you. I was saying, all joking aside, how many do you really think you have off the top of your head? 12, 15, maybe? Projects? Yeah. yeah I've never counted. I'm kind of scared, too. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, all right, well, let me put it this way. Like, I'm not talking about your your pairings that you've done before. I'm talking about something like the... Your, Dedicated your, long-term projects. Exactly, yeah. Okay, let me put it this way. Let's do Stripe Coastals, because that's an easy one for me. I have... Peterson Coastals. I have my Russian Russian Balin Coastals that I also have hatched out normals and I've hatched out red coastals out of that. So there's different ways you can go from that. Uh, I have River and Trinidad who are striped coastals, but I don't have definitive lineage on them, but I really love their color. But guess what? They're gonna they're gonna keep doing their thing and that project's going to keep going and I'm going to keep making blue carpets. Dude, um, legit blue. Yeah. You guys have all oh, you guys have all seen the picture, but you're going to see it again. What's interesting is the, the Germans have a color that it it's very unique to a lot of German military stuff. It's called Blaugrau, which little translation is blue-gray. And that is definitively the color I would choose for that. I mean, and see that picture makes it look more brown. It's not even you know because that blue background, it, it like I feel like the contrast is off. The Nachtschlagen. The Nachtschlagen. So no, when she's so when that she's snake fired is up, blue, guys. Yeah, when she's fired up, I it's it's insane. Like it's crazy, it's insane. Uh, let's see. As far as so, I also have um, Tiger Jag stuff. Now I'm also crossing some of that stuff together. Uh, then I have, you know, striped coastal jags. I have. Don't look at me. Sorry, I'm not looking at you, bud. I'm trying to find a picture of River because I'm pretty sure I took a picture of her when she was out of her box. There, there's just there's so many. So just in striped coastals alone. I have about six or seven different ways I could go. You know what I mean? And now that's not including the striped caramels I produced this year. Um, 
the river stuff that I produced this year, the M pen stripe stuff that I have, uh, you know, the MMB red stuff that's stripe, um, 50% Russian stuff that I have, like just in stripe coastals alone, I've got probably 10 different offsets I could do if I wanted to, um, saying it out loud makes me feel like I'm insane, you know, <laughs> but it's awesome. You know, but I, I know what I like and I I just want to see what they'll all do together. Like uh, I have this, you've seen it, Phil. This, uh, it's a 50% Russian, 50% MMB outcross male. The one that I have downstairs and you and Casey both said it looks like one you would find on the side of the road yeah. in, in Australia. 100%. I plan, as of now, things change, but I plan when that's up to size and some of these Russian Balins are up to size, reading that to them and just seeing if I can organize that pattern or if I can keep that chaotic pattern that he has with the super black highlights and stuff. Because that yeah. Russian stuff gets slept on a lot to where I'm starting to notice that the stuff that's just half Russian Red Tiger bloodline, they have like these really define or some of them do it's all variability they have these really defined black highlights on some of their uh pattern and there's some that especially on their the back of their head like right on the back of their head just before their neck starts it's almost like someone took a sharpie and it's so defined and so sharp and it just seeing stuff like that makes me think hey let's Let's see what this is about. You know, let's see if that means anything. Is it just the bloodline? Is that a marker for something? So I'm also noticing the animals that have that seem to have this bald spot on the top of their head where there's not a lot of pattern. Could it be something? Sure. Could it also not be something? Absolutely. But there's only one way to find out. And, you know, like I said, I'm in it for the long haul. So unless something drastic happens, we'll find out in a few years. You know, but that's kind of how you have to go into a long-term project is you're willing to to play the waiting game and see, you know, see what happens. I love it. It's great. That's what, yeah, that's what I do. That's what this whole show is about. What are you, you planning on getting anything at Daytona? What? Is there anything you're looking for? There's always stuff I'm looking for. I'm a glutton for punishment. Let me ask you this. I what just told you? you I have like. What like did you What did you pre buy? I need rhinos. I need more rhinos. <laughs> what have you pre purchased, Billy? I am looking for. Oh, we're doing that. Okay. Uh, pre purchase. <laughs> um, well, Smitty's bringing me a shut up. Okay. <laughs> shut up, guy. Um, uh, <laughs> the worst. Um, Smitty's bringing me a trinket. That he loves, dude. Yeah. I can't wait to cuddle that thing, dude. Yeah, I can't that. wait. It is a very uh, pretty snake. Like I'm not denying that. I just, I, I literally don't mess with it. Like I make sure it's still alive. I'm just gonna That's play it. with that snake at the table. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm happy just it's still alive. Play with it. I fed it last night. So took a nice fuzzy, frozen, frozen fod fuzzy. I also first time in a minute. Um, I'm also getting a female for him. That I'm picking up, I already paid for. Uh, nice. If there's more, I might get another one just to make sure that I have a female uh, for that yeah. project. 
Um, getting a Amazon tree boa from Kyle, a Mojo Herpeticulture. Cool. Uh, Balin Tiger from Jason. Uh, that one that I keep showing you guys pictures of. Yeah. Possibly Miss Belodies from Jason Hood. Cool. Uh, depends on if he's going to bring that or not. Uh, I think that's all I got free paid. But I'm also looking for, like you guys heard me say before, uh, Apalachicola Kings um, and more Amazon tree boas. I'm actually, I really want to get more into those. I kind of want to get more into the arboreal stuff. Uh, Amazons are just, they're so cool. Yeah, Austin knows. Uh, they're just, they're so cool. I know they're not for everybody, but I think from a breeder standpoint, and then kind of going with the theme of the show from a, a long-term project aspect, like there's so many different things you can do and what a better species to try to figure out what right. actually is going on, you know, cause I've talked to, talked to a local guy. I don't want to get too far into it, but he has some theories on the genetics of Amazon Trebo is that he was telling me some of the stuff and, didn't seem far-fetched you know like it seemed like oh all right you know and he has a lot of he has a lot of like you know examples behind his theories so what why not play around with that and worst case scenario you have these awesome arboreal tree boas that you're messing with you know like it's really a win-win the only upside is you could produce more and figure things out yeah. You know, downside, you have a group of awesome animals that you get to keep and observe and do that, which, I mean, that's why we're all into this, you know, like yeah. breeding is just a side, you know, a side thing for it. It's not a, a main thing for most of us. Uh, we didn't even touch on like decor and like do it yourself projects. And like my roommate's probably going crazy because I've been accumulating different styrofoam blocks from work that I'm going to do some carving and some grouting and painting and, like we didn't even touch base on that because those are uh, projects into themselves, you know. You ever watch the videos? Uh, they're old. They're old videos now. But lizard landscapes on. Uh, no, no, I gotta check them out. Look them up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll just say that. Okay. I'm sorry. It's rabbit hole. He goes and he just. They're long videos, but just do it. Just yeah. watch them. Yeah. So it literally goes step by step on how to do what you just talked about. And see, like I'm gonna do some some desert stuff with like some sand, like sandstone, and like I, I want to try and make fake ancient ruin type bricks and stuff like that, and stack them up and look, look I, up that channel. Okay, he and does exactly. I'm that. finding I'm finding two basically two types of YouTube videos right now in that regard, either extremely detailed crazy stuff where i personally don't have the time the resources or the artistic ability to do it or i'm finding stuff that's like really really basic and i'm like i know i can do that better i'm going to you know so e either way it's it, incredibly inspirational so yeah definitely send me that link <clears throat> yeah um it's just lizard landscapes on uh youtube that's his that's his channel Right on. Good All right, stuff. well, I'm, uh, it's going to get late. So yeah. I know you guys are 
Look, I got in late, so I can. It's cool, I man. Yeah, for a while. It's worth it. This is the cherry on top, Billy Hunt? Yep, I am being summoned. It is that time. Yeah. Well, are we going to do any kind of Daytona special? Because I mean, I don't, you, you and Jake aren't doing something Thursday, right? No, I don't. I don't know. I I really I'd prefer not to have to haul any gear. I mean, we don't have to really haul gear. We could do like a, a an Instagram live or something. You know? That yeah, sure. But we could do we could do an Instagram live and just do you know you me. How many people can you get on that? Two or three? I don't know. It's changed. There's you can add more now. I don't know how many it is though. I was gonna say if anything, let's just get you know you and me and we'll split screen it and then we can talk to people at the show and maybe show some, you know, friends or whatever. And we'll play it by ear. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, Billy, thank you for chiming in. We appreciate it. Yeah. I'm happy. I was able to come and let you guys listen to me ramble for a little bit. Dude. It's always awesome. It's always awesome. And thank you for everyone who stuck in this long, listening to us talk about, projects and goals and endeavors and uh if you get a chance to make it out to the national reptile breeders expo 2021 in daytona beach florida it is this weekend so come find us we'll all be there with we bells are on. dead center of the show dead center dead center you walk in the entrance just walk straight and you'll see us on the right yeah you, you won't miss our banner trust me as long as Phil has that, that look on his face that like he did on the picture, the mugshot. <laughs> well, that's my mom sitting on the couch taking a photo. I, 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 I had my mom actually pick up the banner for me because I was at work and I couldn't, I couldn't get out of work to do it. And so I went to their house to pick it up. And she's sitting on the couch. I was like, Ma, take a picture. And she, she knows how to work a smartphone. You know, She's a very intelligent woman, but... <laughs> She must have took like 13, 14 photos of me standing there. So by the time she got the good one, I was like this. I showed that picture to Anita and she was like, why does he look like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. We have that right. question all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, thanks. So. All right. Everyone, have a good evening. If Thank we you see for watching you this weekend, we'll listening. see you. Yeah. Otherwise, Bye. we will see y'all next week. Yeah. Do yourself by thumbs. Check them out. Yeah. Bye.